Don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in bloody sheets to drop you six feet under. Tonight, on the Midnight Train Podcast, we're going full on nerd and talking about the Jackson 5, the young R&B group that, wait, that can't be right. Oh, here it is. It's the DSM-5, the go-to book on criminals and the mental disorders attributed to their behaviors. Listener discretion is fucking advised. All aboard. Hello, passengers. Welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, we make fun of and joke about creepy shit. We'll bring you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. Damn, they get shorter every week. <laughs> and with me, as always, my co-host, it's Mr. Moody. At least you got an applause. Yeah, they don't, they don't you like booed. you. You get booed Damn, every time. Dude. It's crazy. It's not good. Huh? It's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not a positive thing. It's, not, it's really not. Yeah. How are you? Ah, I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> You've been having a rough it's go just, of it today. It's been a week and yeah. a day, yeah. Well, well it is um, what it is. Yeah, I've been super busy, you know, like with the, the bar. Saying, everything's, yeah. everything's, that's good, though. Free. I mean, it is, but I'm short staffed, so it's very like, ah, that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did she? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, messed up. But if you think you've had a bad week, um, yeah. first and foremost, I'm going to say, um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind that I put his shit out like this, but oh. I'm going to. So um, one of our good friends, uh, one of my best friends and producer of the show, one of the guys who whatever, Bill, Bill Birch, oh, okay. my, my beer drinking yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you about his week. Oh. Okay. Now, listen, this episode, we are going to get full on nerd. So I'm just going to kind of lighten it up a little bit sure. for you real quick. Sure. So he decided, hey, I'm going to take my daughter down to Key West on vacation. Okay. So he goes down. Sounds like a good idea. He leaves Monday. How old is his daughter? Uh, she's 16, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. You know what I mean? So they go down there and they're, you know, doing their thing on Monday. And all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Jet skis. <laughs> yeah. Right? Jet skis. Why not? So they go out and they're on the jet skis. And apparently, I don't know the full story because I haven't really talked to him yet about it. Um, but they're on the jet skis and his daughter, they went around a corner too fast or took something too sharp. And his daughter, instead of... um like just die, getting off, you know, like falling off. Yeah. She grabbed onto him. And so he fell off. And when he hit on, uh, he's not even sure what he hit, but it could be the water. Could yeah, be whatever. Yeah, depending on how fast you're going. Well, it fucked him up pretty good. Really? Uh, he broke three ribs. Oh. And he was just all jacked up. This is day one of his. Oh, yeah. dude, breaking a rib ain't no joke either. Uh, well, it gets better oh. <laughs> or worse if you talk to him. Ooh. So he is, you know, in pain for the remainder of his vacation. And Thursday <sighs> evening, he comes home and he's fuck, still hurting. So next day he's hurting still and kind of sees bulging kind of going on or whatever. So, you know, thinking worst, you know, case scenario here, he goes to the uh, emergency or I don't know if he went to the emergency room or doctor. Uh, or yeah, yeah. Went to the hospital. And uh, turns out that he had five broken ribs, <laughs> a like 0.9 millimeter kidney stone. Oh, and completely unrelated. And his intestines shifted. 
<laughs> yeah, Holy like shit. like like his his small and large intestines like shifted. moved. Yeah, so he uh, you know they went in did surgery on the uh, the kidney stone yesterday, and uh, he's actually he's home today. God, he finally damn. got home today. But that's how Bill's week went. Okay, well, Bill, I apologize for <laughs> complaining about my week. I hope you get better, dude. So yeah, dude, Bill, we're, I'm sorry to hear it, man. I mean, I'm I'm laughing because you, I know you're going to be okay, and it's just a shit shit yeah. time, especially like you're going on vacation. It's day one. Fuck yeah, dude. you know, and it couldn't happen to a nicer dude either, and it just fucking sucks. So, Bill, we hope you're all right, and hopefully you don't get mad that I put Oof. your shit out there. And if you are mad that you put your shit out there, I think you guys should fight it out on the air. I'm gonna punch you right in the kidney. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah, you fight dirty. I do fight dirty. Anyway, so you beautiful bunch of dark <laughs> passengers know that we're just a couple of musicians and assholes that love history and cannot get enough of the mysterious. We want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening to us at this very moment. Okay? At this moment. Like right now. Yeah. Like right now. Your reviews and support really do make all of the hard work worthwhile. In saying that, please stop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It helps for some reason. We're not sure, but then again, we're not doctors. So remember last week I said that there was like a new, that Odyssey thing that I brought up? Yes. Apparently that is, uh, it is radio.com turned into Odyssey, I guess. Okay. And I, sp- I don't know if we spelled it right, because remember you looked it up and it was something weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. What was it? Again, like, do you, what is it, the thing exactly? Damn it. No, it's just, uh, so I thought it was like a new podcast thing, but it, apparently they just changed the name of radio.com or whatever it is, or one of those things that oh. it turned into Odyssey and they're like pushing their podcast platform right oh. now. That's all, that's all it is. Cool. Well, so we're probably on there anyways. Right, cool. Well, we'll check it out. I probably spelled it wrong. It's probably, I don't know. Nowadays, everything's spelled yeah, like, we looked up something because it, it, I thought it was out. like Odyssey, but with the AU, but it's like A-U-D-A-C-E-Y or something or C-Y or something. Oh, Decky. Whatever. Udeki. It's stupid. <laughs> Udeki. <laughs> no, not, not Udeki. I don't. Anyway, just leave us a review. So. In a lot of places, we know you can't leave us a review. So then you know what you should do? You should go on to our Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram. We're on all that. And you just say something. Say something to us. Like, hey, guys, just wanted to say you don't suck half as bad as you think you do. Even if you don't mean it, just tell us that. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's fine. <laughs> Be nice. Yeah. And uh, you can uh, find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And Patreon subscribers will be getting a bonus episode. You like a trumpet, like a do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, we got to fix it. Put new sound effects and stuff on there. Yeah, we got to do that. Yeah, anyway. Or you could just do it with your mouth. Do-do-do-do-do-do. I could. I mean, that's how the dun-dun-dun started. That is That is how it started. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, that is true. So, But I know, I think you should just do the do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. All right. But you got to make it sound like a kazoo or something. Like, <laughs> it's like a really shitty fucking... Or let's just get a kazoo. I think I have like 10 of them at my house. Nice. All I'll right. bring one next time. Problem solved. I'm going to fucking kazoo it up. Well, the Patreon bonus coming up, uh, coming up, <laughs> coming up is going to be, uh, for Patreon producers, is going to be on the top 10 most haunted paintings. I like it. And if I find my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll also have one on. Uh, the uh, Harvey Milk one. Uh, Harvey still, Milk is still floating around. But, but So let me explain something really fast. <laughs> so for the most part, Moody does the research. Right. And then I, f- you know, do my thing, fine tune it, whatever. It. And, then, and then we go about the, the right. show or whatever. Um, Moody 
has a laptop. Finally. Well, Moody decided I to used actually, to do it all on my phone. Yeah. He used to, or he decided to clean his house. Yeah, unfortunately. And now he can't find his laptop. Nope. <laughs> How does it happen? It's not where it's supposed to be. It's clean. Jeez. Oh, That's what happens. That's why I don't fucking clean. Yeah. So if you listen, for five bucks a month, you guys can jump on over to Patreon. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of stuff because we got to get him a new laptop, apparently, you know. So well, find me a cleaning service. Or a cleaning service. Yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah. But yeah, but we're getting a lot of new Patreon uh, producers. So thank yeah, you guys. Yeah, so we had another it. one. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. We're, people are, people are signing up. You guys are awesome. Yeah, they're signing up and we really do appreciate that. So thank you, you guys for listening. The Patreon fans need a kazoo. They do need to see. They deserve the they, kazoo. They should get the kazoo for sure. <laughs> Just... Instead of the drum roll at the end, <laughs> I think it a it's going to be a kazoo now. <laughs> Love it. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky. But Are first, we get spooky? oh, you know what? That's actually a good point. We're it's not, not really, really getting spooky, spooky today. today. Yeah. We're not getting too spooky. We're, we're, not, getting, not too, uh, we're getting scientific. Very, very scientific. And hopefully it's something that you guys either know little about or have never heard about. Because it's a pretty interesting anecdote about Ted Bundy at the end, though. There's a lot of stuff all over the place. Yeah. So in saying that, um, let's get nerdy. Okay. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. <laughs> It is good. Man, totally down with that. Yeah. I can get down with that. Yeah. I just really don't like IPAs. This is good as fuck, though. My Super wife, good. Danny, would love this. So good. It just mm. tastes like carbonated fruit juice. <laughs> it's alcoholic. It's great. Carbonated fruit juice. So that, was we are, a, that was a groovy little like. Yeah, you like that? That was nice. That's like pretty that. good. And uh, I would tell you who that is, but I can't tell what it says. But is it like in a foreign language? And, and no, it looks like it's A V I N A M, but it's really small print on the cover of their thing. On the cover of the Rolling can't Stone. Even, you can see it even less from over here. It looks like Avanam. I don't know why I'm even bothered. Avanam, maybe? Do you know who that is? Is that Avanam? Avanam? Yeah, thanks for the grooves this morning. Maybe his first name is Avi. Avi Nam? Yeah. <laughs> Avi. <laughs> Avi Normal. <laughs> So, by the way, we are drinking uh, The Brewing Project. Yeah, we're good, calling man. you guys out, man. This is good. You know I love your brewery, dude, and we would definitely like, you know, some sort of, you know, little collaboration. This beer matches my shirt. It, it actually does. Big orange shirt, and we're drinking the Puff Tart XL Imperial is Sour Ale. Joke? Wait, Son of a bitch. <laughs> Big orange shirt. <laughs> it's not a small orange shirt. <laughs> <laughs> This one has Cara Cara orange, pineapple, good, passion fruit, and vanilla, and it's delicious. It's tasty, man. Yeah, you guys out there, listen, passengers, get over Ooh, there. And, it's a nice seven point six three too. Oh, yeah, That's it'll, good. it'll straighten your beard out. This is good stuff. So yeah, get over there and tell the brewing project that you want you want us to collab with them or them to collab with us or something. I've been tagging. Somewhere. I've been tagging High Life and all. <laughs> I actually saw that today. I didn't see the post until uh, <laughs> I'm just scrolling through and I'm like, ah, what, what's I put this? Up, I put up two music ones this week and I tagged yeah. High Life and both. And, and I see High Life down there. Tag. It was hashtagged and added. Yeah, I, like, or, I added Miller add High sign, Life. Whatever it's called, added. Is what yeah, it don't is? at me, bro. Don't, is that what it is? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's so That's stupid. That's what the kids say, isn't it? Don't, don't at, at me. Don't at me, bro. 
<laughs> All right, listen, let's get into this because this is this is one of those ones that um, I have to say this. Please our, do. Our good friend Jeff Butchko would fucking hate this one. He would. Yeah. He would. He would hate this one. He was. Uh, he was not about the uh, informational parts. Well, I, I just think he just. Which is fine because yeah. we are, and he's he, that balance was great. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because he would just make fun of it the whole time, and it was hilarious. And make fun of us the whole time. I mean, we're easy fucking targets. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But he would hate this one because it is very, very, very full of scientific and nerdy-ass details. Okay? Chockful. Chockful. I'm not saying that he's not, not nerdy or anything because... No, no. He's not really. He's kind of a man's man. You know what I mean? He hunts. He, he, Does he hunt? He shoots he, guns. He, he owns guns. I know that. He rides four-wheelers and has R- yeah, RC cars. and I mean, he's got a badass 72 Nova. Yeah, I don't. I I is it a Nova? Yeah, it's I a don't he, know. no, it's a heavy Chevy. I haven't that, seen it. I don't. I don't but know he was telling me about it, and I wanted to see it, but it's, I never got to see it. It's cool. Well, I'm sure we'll see it eventually. He's around. You guys out there? He's off social media, so go say hi to him. Also, he's not on anything. Yeah, he's like trying to be off the Should grid. Should we just give out his phone number? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, All right. So tonight we are doing something a little bit you. different. <laughs> love you. <laughs> we are not going anywhere creepy. No. We aren't talking about UFOs, cryptids, or ghosts. Oh, that sucks. You may or may not have noticed if you listen to our show that our love of unsolved murders and true crime as well. I haven't noticed. Not the actual love of the murders, because that sounds fucked up. But, yeah. but you know, the cases themselves, we we are very intrigued by them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Well, tonight, we're looking at one of the most revolutionary tools used in diagnosing those criminals, those buttholes. We were talking about the, the DSM, huh? Buttholes. Buttholes. Did we have this conversation last week? Yeah, I love the word butthole. Danny likes to use the word butthole, too. Butthole's awesome. It's, it's like, funny. It's the best word out there. It's funny, but also insulting. <laughs> exactly. And it's not like too over the line, no. but at the same sense, it's kind of like, damn, dude, call me a you just call me a butthole. <laughs> so this is the DSM. So things, like I said, are going to get it a little bit nerdy here, but it's definitely interesting. So first and foremost, for foremost, what is the DSM-5? All right. It is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. By the way, there's a lot of fun words in this. Yeah, you know, you'll have fun. Yeah, there's a lot, fun of, it. A lot there's of them. There's some good ones. And is, it is the product of more than 10 years of effort by hundreds of international experts in all aspects of mental health. You guys have listened to the show for a long time. You know I'm a real big, uh, you know, advocate of getting help yeah, for mental getting illness. Your, getting and, your shit straight. Yeah, absolutely. Their dedication and hard work have yielded an authoritative volume that defines mm-hmm. and classifies mental disorders in order to improve diagnosis, treatment, and research. And as we go through this, you're going to kind of hear the evolution yeah, it's it actually, there was something in there that I was telling Danny about that I'm like, can't believe this is fucking real. Mm-hmm. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It's one of the first ones we talk about. Yeah, yeah if yeah, you're yeah. ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, also, it's fucked up. <laughs> uh, I also have an over-under on how many times you fuck up the word psychology. Psychology? Yes. I saw the one in here, and I actually worked on it over and over again to make sure I didn't screw it up. Okay. All right. There, between psychology and psychopathy, I'm wondering how many you're going to fuck up. My yeah. over my over under is 20. I'm going to fuck it up 20 times? That's the over under. So you could either take the over or the under. I'm gonna. I'm taking the over. Under. I think you're just going to fuck it up left and right. Now I'm not. Now I'm going to make sure I don't. 
Every time you go, you give me a slowdown. And the psychology. Psych. So here's the one right here. I'm going to get to it right now. That's the one that, that I was kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. So first and foremost, let's talk about the beginning of this thing. Okay. There's the DSM-1. First it, one. Right. And it was released by the American Psychiatric Association in 1952. Right. It contained 60 recognized disorders and was very different from the current DSM. Obviously, Correct. it's back in 52. Right. The objective of the DSM, uh, DSM-1, should I say, was to create a single nomenclature for psychopathology. There you go. Hey. Three separate diagnostic systems were in use, none of which matched systems used by hospitals for reporting purposes. Okay. There's the standard nomenclature of disease. Right? Correct. Okay. The 1942 revision, by the way. So this is yes, something no. coming from 1942. So actually, real quick, before you get too far into it, um, <clears throat> the groundwork for the DSM had been laid post-World War II, I guess. Right. So after World War II, when everyone was coming back and, you know, people are getting fucking PTSD, which they didn't know what it was then. And, like, they called it, what, shell shock or whatever they called it back right. then. They started laying the groundwork for all of this kind of stuff post-World War II up until the first DSM. Where they had a couple different um, the things that you're talking about right now, those were the precursors to the DSM. Right. That post World War II they had been working on that kind of laid the groundwork for what we're going to talk about. Right. So um, uh, as well as uh, let's see the other ones were the War Department Technical Bulletin, which is another one they put together, and then the Veterans Administration. Right. So Correct. it was all rooted in Adolf Meyer's psychobiology, all disorders considered to be reactions to stress, aka you know like depressive reaction. Mm -hmm. Right. This is what they're all saying. They're saying, oh, everything yeah. is just kind of rooted right. here. Right. The uh, So psychoanalytic, um, which that's was... The, that's the third one, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, psychoanalytic, yeah. which was constructed by sending questionnaires to 10% of APA members, 46% of whom responded. So they started just kind of tallying up and putting right, the thing together. questionnaires like... Are you crazy? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> all right, that one's done. <laughs> Are you crazy? Shit, dude, yeah! <laughs> dude, I actually looked... To see if I could find that questionnaire, and I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm. I'm sure you could somewhere. That would have been cool. But so, real quick, and I bring this up later. I just want everybody to know what a fucking pain in the ass this thing was, because 95% of the things that I found that would have good research in them. Five dollar Patreon, just saying, guys. You know, five dollar Patreon for how hard of work dude, this was, right? Well. It, <laughs> 95% of all the papers, like, well, 95% of everything I found was like papers written by psychiatrists, psychologists, like all that shit on this stuff. And of that 95% that was written by them, 99% of that stuff, whenever I would go to look for it, I had to either pay for it or I had to get a subscription to a fucking psychology <laughs> website that was like 40 fucking dollars. I'm like... <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to do this differently because fuck that. Uh, it's hilarious. So, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it sounds like it, but I'm excited. So final approval obtained from vote of full APA membership. Uh, there were three broad classes of um, psychopathology, that word. Uh, there's organic brain syndromes like uh, uh, Korsakoff syndrome or epilepsy. Functional disorders like depression or schizophrenia and mental deficiency, uh, you know, like mental retardation, now called intellectual disability. And again, that's what they called it. Is that what then. it's called now? Uh, They're calling it intellectual disability. Intellectual okay. disability. Yeah. You know, like See, little I people. Know, I didn't know that. They change that shit all the time. Right. It's like little people and midgets, Grace. This is always going to be midget. <laughs> it's always going to be midget to me. Am I buddy. calling her a midget? I'm saying from the bonus episode, she was not happy with that. 
Anyway. Really? Oh, yeah. She doesn't like midget? No, she doesn't like the word midget. She didn't Why? like midgetville. Or you, you, you have to listen to the bonus episode. It is. Send funny. it to me. We were Send so. I don't. Subscri- I don't. I don't think we're worth money. So yeah. I don't give us money. <laughs> we were hammered. Oh well, it's got to be good then. And we were just sitting around talking about Midgetville, and buddy, she was not having it. Well, first of all, is it offensive to her? Is she just not like the word? Like I, don't, I, don't, I don't think she. She hates boob. I think it was more like a. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was more that Katie kept calling her a midget, and that's why she was offended. <laughs> So, so anyway, if you guys get a chance, sign up for Patreon, listen Holy to that bonus shit, episode. Like, you got to send that to it's me. It's so funny. I will. I'll send it over to you. So funny. Uh, so one childhood disorder, adjustment reaction of childhood, ad- adolescence and whatnot, just talking about your adjustment and being Which a kid. Which is kind of crazy. They had one right. childhood disorder. It's like, well, how old is he? 13. Yeah, yeah he's crazy. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, he's crazy. Puberty. Yeah. The structure and conceptual framework were the same as in uh, the Medical 203, and many passages of text were identical. So remember, they took all those medical books from before and just right. kind of put it together. Right. The APA listed, get this. There it is. Homosexuality in the DSM as a, sci- a sociopathic personality disturbance. Right. You guys heard that. Back then, if you were homosexual. <laughs> you were a sociopath, You are a sociopath. <laughs> That's fucked that up. That is fucked up. In, in 1956, the psychologist Evelyn Ooh. Hooker performed a study comparing the happiness and well-adjusted nature of self-identified homosexual men with heterosexual men and found no difference. Boom. Her study stunned the medical community and made her a heroine to many gay men and lesbians. Homo- good for her, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's cool, that, especially, especially back that in time. 56. Yeah, that's good, She was man. probably getting some shit. Fuck yeah, man. Ugh. So, um, Homosexuality, a psychoanalytic study of male homosexuals, a large-scale 1962 study of homosexuality by Irving Bieber and other authors, was used to justify... Authors. I said authors. I said offers. Did not say offers. Yeah, you did. We're going to go back and listen. All right. Okay. <laughs> offers. <laughs> was used to justify inclusion of the disorder as a supposed pathological hidden fear of the opposite sex caused by traumatic, traumatic parent-child relationships. So your parents messed you up and you're afraid of the opposite sex, so you're going to be gay. Right. So you're going to be with your own sex. So, so so literally they're saying it's your parents' fault that you're gay. Correct. And you're a sociopath because of it. Yeah. <laughs> the view was influential in the medical profession. Unfortunately, homosexuality remained in the DSM until May of 1974. DSM was criticized for its reliability and validity. The major limitation of the DSM was that the concept had not been scientifically tested. Also, all the the disorders listed were considered to be reactions to events occurring in an individual's environment. Another problem was that there really was no distinction between abnormal and normal behavior. Uh, Despite this, it did gain acceptance. So basically, nature versus nurture. This one was straight up nature. They're saying all the ones that uh, pretty much everything. No, nurture. Straight up nurture. That's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much everything that they included in the first go around. um, Basically, they attributed to your your surroundings and and how you were raised. and Something happened to you. Right. It was all like reactive, reactive problems. It couldn't be something he was born with. No. 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 The only way to be gay is if you have a shitty childhood. Right. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and apparently that was true until 1974. <laughs> Damn it, history. Now let's talk about the DSM-2. I hope okay. nobody just hears that one part of yeah. this let's, Yeah, let's not. Because yeah. I'm kind of... Yeah, that's... It's going to sound real bad. <laughs> Context, people. Context. <laughs> so the uh, the second edition was released in 1969 by the APA. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> boy. This edition featured a jump to 182 disorders. It's a pretty significant jump. So uh, I don't know where I mentioned it, but I mentioned it in one of the other ones. The dip, I, I checked. I had three different sites up at one time looking at all this crap. 
and literally each one had a different number of disorders for fucking each book so i kind of went with the average in the middle so so it may or may not be correct I should probably get something like a little <clears throat> thing out here just so everyone kind of understands why I wanted to do this. If you listen to true crime or if you follow um, anybody that's like, you know, a murderer, serial killer or anything like that, you'll always hear them referring to the DSM-5 and finding out if somebody is an actual, um, if you're mentally disabled or, un or mentally unhinged or if you're not you know what i mean so that's right. the reason i wanted to do this is because they this is like the book this is the book they yeah and they I, go dude, to. I go into a lot of that stuff Good. too so we'll definitely talk yeah. about that so as you're sitting here right now going what the fuck why are they even talking about this that's Barely why talking about a book hmm. <laughs> i don't even like to read so, stephen king write it <laughs> i don't want to read it though so uh there were few changes in either process or philosophy still psychoanalytic for the first time international treaty dictated that the dsm and international classification of disease uh, would be compatible Okay. Yeah. So they put them together. So that's the I believe that's from the World Health Organization books. Yes. Is that was their book on on disorders and disease. Yeah. So this isn't just like here. This is like everywhere, right? This is Correct. like a global thing. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another primary objective was to improve communication among psychiatrists. Major psychiatric classes were expanded from three to eleven, and several child and adolescent disorders were added. Uh, duh. They were uh, group delinquent reaction, hyperkinetic reaction overanxious reaction, runaway reaction, unsocialized aggressive reaction, withdrawing reaction. Okay, those are all the... And then the term reaction was dropped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they put all those in there and they go, yep. there's enough reactions. In so there. they basically what they were doing is they were taking away... From what I could tell, when they, they, they took the word reaction away because they didn't want everything... They didn't want to lump everything into, like we said before, like reactionary disease just it's environmental like, bullshit, yeah it's yeah. not all environmental all the time right. so they they drop the word reaction to better suit that yeah okay well that makes sense to me i don't know anybody else out there but they did uh they kept the uh the term neurosis well, in, good for in, them instead so yeah it's also a great band yeah, is it neurosis oh they're fucking God, amazing you know all these fucking weird ass obscure bands i'm a weird ass obscure dude you ever heard of nickelback who that's what i thought i mean i you you listen to some weird shit, man. <laughs> so both the DSM-1 and the DSM-2 reflected the predominant psychodynamic psychiatry, although both manuals... Of course. <laughs> of course it did. Of course. Although both manuals also included biological perspectives and <clears throat> concepts from Krapelin's system of classification. Oh, Krapelin. You know, Krapelin, it makes sense. Symptoms were not speci uh, specified in detail for specific disorders. Sure. Many were seen as reflections of broad underlying conflicts or maladaptive re uh, reactions to life problems that were rooted in a distinction between neurosis and psychosis, you know, roughly anxiety, depression, broadly in touch with reality, as opposed to hallucinations or delusions disconnected from reality. So there's a big right. difference there. Uh, well, yeah. Huge difference. But at this time, I feel like they were just kind of realizing that, you know what I mean? Well, most likely. That's, yeah. Yeah. The idea that personality disorders did not involve emotional distress was discarded. They got rid of that. So, yeah, they're basically saying that before this, they they didn't they didn't associate emotional distress with your mental illness. Right. Now they're saying we're going to get rid of that. And we regardless of what they believed at that point, they were basically saying, like, there could be some a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was still a uh, disconnect between many doctors on whether the DSM was a reliable diagnostic tool. Robert Spitzer and Joseph L. Fleiss found that different practitioners using the DSM-2 rarely agreed when diagnosing patients with similar problems. 
In reviewing previous studies of 18 major diagnostic categories, Spitzer and Fleiss concluded that, quote, there are no diagnostic categories for which reliability is uniformly high. Reliability appears to be only satisfactory for three categories, mental deficiency, or organic brain syndrome, and alcoholism. <laughs> Feel like that one's pretty much self-explanatory. Yeah, like that's just so weird. Okay. Do you drink a lot? Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> so, see where there would be a disconnect there. Do you drink a lot? No, you're drinking right now. Like literally, the only, the only disconnect you could have for alcoholism is like, is it five beers or is it three beers? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's functioning alcoholic, non-functioning alcoholic. Correct. Yeah. Like yeah. it's that's. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, okay. I'm borderline, whatever. So the level of... <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, borderline. <laughs> the level of reliability is no better than fair for psychosis and schizophrenia and is poor for the remaining category. So basically they're saying, okay, there's some stuff in here we agree with, but there's some other shit we don't agree right. with. Right. And uh, it it goes into it a little bit more, I think, in the... Not, not the second printing or whatever this one is. It's, I think, in the third one. Okay. we go. It goes in a little bit more about... Um, just the differences of like they do a little comparison so it'll show you kind of where there's still that disconnect between like you get 30 doctors to do like literally the same person and they'll all come up with something completely different even though they followed the standards of the dsm to the letter right okay so it's kind of weird it's kind of it's interesting it's kind of fucked up but it's also interesting yeah so uh then they did a uh, another printing of the dsm too they did several printings, apparently. Yes. Uh, this was the one where homosexuality, homosexuality, homosexuality was removed as a mental disorder following protests by gay rights. <laughs> yeah, that definitely gets an applause there. Get yeah. that shit out of there. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. So that, that happened when uh, the gay rights activists at the 1974 annual convention of the APA in San Francisco decided to say, fuck you guys, get rid of this. And they were like, yeah, we should probably do this. There was a little more to that. I didn't go super, super into it because I just didn't want to get off track with everything. But there was, it's actually a pretty interesting little, little time. Like yeah. if you get a chance to like kind of go check that out, like go check that out, like what they did and who would like just the people that were there and how they kind of like handled the situation and, you know, basically said like, we don't know what the fuck your problem is. You guys are idiots. There's nothing wrong with us. Right. Like, and so, because there's not. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. It's just like, it's really cool though. Like if you can, if you can read a little bit more about that, I would definitely give yeah. yourself a couple of minutes to check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Look into that folks. So this landmark event illustrates several important points about conceptualization and diagnosis of mental illness. One diagnostic systems such as DSM, uh, as the DSM, uh, which are constructed by social institutions, reflect social values. Yep. Okay. Two, psychiatry and related disciplines reinforce prevailing social values, which can lead to stigmatization with considerable potential or uh, negative effects on mental health. Mm -hmm. And three, as a social institution, the APA is not indifferent to sociopolitical influence. And it makes all the sense in the world. Yep. Yeah. Like the, the sociopolitical influence is basically like you have to look at all the factors, the, the way people react to things, the way people are involved in it. How is the status quo going to be? Right. So it's not just cut and dry. It's not right. black and white. So, yeah, that's and, good. It's and a good thing. Let, like, let's be honest. It comes down, it, especially at that point in time, that age, like a lot of it comes down to like these guys didn't want to piss off the powerful doctors and, and influential people that are giving them money to do all this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, it's all say, you say the wrong thing and you're done. Yeah. So let's talk about the DSM-3. Let's. The DSM-3 was released in 1980 and showed a radical shift hey, in that's philosophy. That's when I was born. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you're old. 
It's a PSN three. <laughs> Woo! So it showed a radical <laughs> shift in philosophy from earlier versions. It contained now 265 disorders. Or so. Right. <laughs> oh, Give or take. Yeah. Uh, available research uh, weighted heavily for the first time. It was de designed to be descriptive and atheoretical in order to appeal to professionals across theoretical orientations, like social workers, psychologists. and Right. So instead else. of just like psychologists and psychiatrists, like they, they made it more... Um, so what I'm looking for, like a uh, layman. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. they made it more approachable for that, for like lower level people that still could really benefit from this information. Right. Yeah. They dumbed it down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, you just say pretty that. much. You yeah. just say they dumbed it. And down. they and they the explanations were a lot more. Like they they expanded on a lot of things just just to make it you know a better blueprint, man. Just to make it easier for everybody and to make it something that they could actually use. Yeah. On, so, on all levels. On all levels, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. A major objective was to make psychiatry more scientific, bringing it into mainstream medicine. There was a pretty big problem, though. There were low interrated agreements in psychiatric diagnoses, the major dependent <laughs> variable in psychiatry. Yep. The U.S.-U.K. cross-national diagnostic project revealed much higher rates of schizophrenia diagnosis in New York and much higher rates of mood disorder diagnosis in London, despite nearly identical symptoms among uh, <laughs> psychiatric admissions. I'm going to say yeah. psychiatric a lot. Okay, that so, was my first. So that's that's what I was talking about earlier. When like we always said we get into they like kind of the, this, kind of the numbers, yeah. yeah. So they're saying that despite like you could have two people, one in New York, one in London, with the exact same symptoms, but he's going to call it one thing. He calls it this. He calls it that. Right. You know what I mean? Which could and there and that's cause a problem. And that's even that's by going straight by the definitions in the book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's so it's kind of weird. That's that's crazy. Yeah. No offense in saying crazy. <laughs> anyway, a meta-analysis by... Wait, wait, wait. David. There you go. <laughs> it's been a while since I had one of those. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it is. It I kind of missed it. Yeah. A meta-analysis by Spitzer and Fleiss uh, from 1974 revealed the following Kappa statistics for major psychiatric disorders. Depression, 41. Okay. I believe it's 0.41. That's what I said. Okay. Mania, 0.33. Oh. Yeah. Anxiety, 0.45. Okay. Schizophrenia, 0.57. Okay. And alcoholism, 0.71. Oh. Okay. So what we're getting from this is that, <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not linked to it, but they're linking alcoholism as a mental disorder. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, and I keep saying crazy, and I shouldn't almost, say that. Almost as weird as the homosexuality. Right. Being a, yeah, anyway, that's so weird. In general, K's greater than 0.6 are unacceptable. So basically what this is saying is saying ugh, it is saying, man, is that these numbers are too high. You're messing up all the easy stuff. I know, right? It's the what is the? <laughs> What's that word? A. Oh, my bad. So basically saying that these numbers are too high and there's too much disagreement in right. diagnosis. So those are all way too close to that 0.6 right. for comfort, is what they're saying. Low agreement was attributed to two sources, criterion variance and information variance. Okay, so they had the criteria for it and the information, and they were like, eh, we're not sure. Yeah. Not sure how this is working. And this right. guy goes, well, wait a minute. What about this? There's this, yeah, there's the variable there is too high. You yeah. know, yeah, it's just too high. Yeah. So criterion variance is when, di di oh my God, diagnosticians <laughs> are using different criteria when rendering diagnosis. Information variance is when diagnostici diagnosticians are obtaining different information when interviewing patients. Okay. So you go, you got the two different things there, right? Right. So what that's saying, 
like with the second one, basically, if I was a psychiatrist and I talked to you about something, I'd be scared shitless. And I asked you questions and I got kind of like my way of getting to you, the root of your problems. And then you went and talked to another guy. He would be asking you, even though we're diagnosing you with the same outline from the book, he's asking you different questions and getting different answers and kind of steering him in a different direction. Right. So when with the answers that I'm getting from you with my questions, I'm kind of over here. And the answers that he's getting from you, the questions that he's asking you is kind of steering him in a different direction. And it's not because neither of us know what we're talking about. It's because we're getting different information out of you that's leading us in a different direction. Right. Yeah, I get it. Hopefully everyone else does. <laughs> Both of these led to major breakthroughs in diagnosis techniques, but we're uh, getting a little bit nerdy and scientific here. So frankly, we don't have the time. Dude, there was about... <laughs> I I read all the explanations of the two of those scenarios. And it was and your brain I, Yes, it was. There was charts and graphs and brain scans, and I was like, "I, I it hurts. Okay. It hurts." I'm going to simplify this. So just know that that stuff's important, folks. All right, the whole thing's important. There so. was a lot of breakthroughs and important things that came out of those. Yeah, that I think we'll, we'll touch on some of them, but it's yeah. All right. So now that you know, when they start differentiating stuff here, DSM three also introduced multi. Axial? Axial. Axial. Axial, thank you. Classification. Axis 1 is clinical disorders and conditions that need clinical attention, like schizophrenia, major depression, bipolar disorder, and panic disorder. So these are like ones that are like, oh, shit, you know? Like you can't function unless you're being helped. Right. Uh, Axis 2 is personality disorders and mental retardation. Again, sorry for the word, mental retardation. That's their whatever. Uh, That's antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, autism spectrum disorder, which is crazy that that was even, you know what I mean, like kind of affiliated with that whole thing. And now um, borderline personality disorder isn't even a thing anymore. It used to be, well, it was multiple personality disorder. Now it's called... Damn it. It might say it in here later. It might say it. I don't know. I might. They I know they talk changed about borderline that. personality yeah. disorder a few times. Okay. Uh, Axis... That was just recently they changed that, though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was not okay. too long ago. They just changed it. Axis three is general medical conditions like hypothyroidism and Huntington's disease. Axis four is psychosocial and environmental problems, you know, homelessness, child abuse, shit like that. Right. Things like that that make you right. the way you are. Yeah. And axis five is global assessment of, function, of functioning scale. Okay. I don't know what that is. I looked it up and I don't care. Yeah, I don't I'm know. That lie. sounds weird. Global assessment of so is that basically what it is on a an, like uh, a world kind of scale? Yeah, yeah. Like you pretty fit, much you like, fit here in a, the whole scheme of things kind of thing. I think so. Like, it, <laughs> well, I think it takes into consideration like it looks at all the people that were like basically. I think it's one of those like kind of sliding scales. Like you're crazy, but you're not this crazy. You're mm-hmm. only this crazy compared to everybody else in the world. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's got, yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So the DSM. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're insane, you want to know how insane you are. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when you take those tests in school and you're like in the 85th percentile or whatever, yeah. like they tell me that I'm schizo. I want to know if I'm like in that top or if I'm kind of in the bottom, you know? Yeah. I mean, are you, you know, talk to yourself crazy or are you rub peanut butter on yourself and, you know, that kind of crazy? I'm that kind of person. <laughs> so, so the, like, look, we, when I'm, we're joking about it, it's obviously it's not funny. No, but, not at all. And we're not we're not making light of anyone's mental. No, unless mental you're, unless you're killing people, and at that point, not really making light of it either. But it's still no. it's fucked up. So the revision of the DSM three, this is the DSM three R, 
was released in 1987. R stands for revisions. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought that was funny. But... <laughs> well, the other one said like seventh print. Yeah. And this one's just a revision. Yeah, it's just a revision. Yeah, Apparently, it, these things go through a lot of revisions. Yeah. It added, a, it added a few more disorders, bringing the number to 292. The explicit goal was to revise diagnostic criteria that were uh, inconsistent, unclear, or were contradicted by subsequent research. It eliminated most exclusion criteria, thereby doing away with implementing diagnostic hierarchies, which simplify diagnosis. Correct. Which makes sense. Pre-DSM-3R, okay. So this is the hierarchy thing that they were talking about. Right. It was organic brain syndrome, uh, if absent then, schizophrenia, mood disorders, personality disorders, eliminating... So basically, it's saying, if this isn't there, then it's this. Right. Well, if this isn't there, then it's got to be this. So it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So eliminating the di diagnostic hierarchies resulted in a major increase in prevalence of disorders and on rates of comorbidity. Comor what the fuck word is that? Comorb. <laughs> Comor comorbid. <laughs> yeah. Comorbidity. Comor comorbidity. Com comorbidity. Yeah. That's what I said. Oh, that's not even close. What you said. Comorbidity. 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 I don't know what it means, but it's come No, not that one. Okay. The DSM four. Let's talk about that one. Let's. The DSM four was released in 1994. Yeah. The DSM four contained 365 disorders. I think this is where I talk about the number. Yeah, it's getting it's getting up there. A new version was needed to be compatible with the ICD ten. Correct. So that's when. Remember when. I think it was the second printing when they put it out. The DSM-2 needed to be compatible with whatever they were on at the time. That was the World Health Organization's one. Yes. So it, from what I can tell, they updated it there. And the DSM was far enough out of date that they basically had to do a new one because they had to bring it up to spec with the, uh, was it ICD is it what it was called? Yeah, ICD-10. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense, though. It is more data-driven than any previous version. Some of the things to, uh, done to collect now uh, data were as follows. They had 13 work groups populated with experts in each domain. So like anxiety disorders, eating disorders, mood disorders. So they had individual groups working on that stuff. Correct. Uh, they had review papers commissioned, uh, 12 multi-site field trials to collect new data with five to 10 sites per field trial with 70 total sites involving 6,000 participants. Yep. So basically, they did a lot of fucking review, like like firsthand actual review. Right, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Work groups were used to um, to use data from the field trials to compare alternative options and to study the possible impact of suggested changes. MacArthur Foundation funding for reanalysis of existing data sets and publication of multi-volume DSM sourcebook. Okay. So now you've got source books, you've got the multi-volume, so, yep. so it's just got all kinds of stuff. So it's not clumped into one thing. It's correct. They're separating it. They got a ton of different ones out they there. Brought now. it up to date. It's in it's in uh, compatibility with the ICD-10. Right. Everybody's happy, really, you know. Right. So looking into different sources here. Side note: the number of disorders and diagnoses in each edition vary from source to source. For example, three different sources list the amount of disorders for the DSM-4 at 297. 365 and 410 respectively yeah so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm talking about yeah. dude. so if you've been listening to say this point uh you know that the idiots can't even get the number right so yeah but but the, whatever we'll do our best yeah like we always said blame the internet blame the internet that's it that's a good shirt too blame the internet blame the internet that's a good one i like that <laughs> write it down so I don't have a pen i already started working on the uh um don't be a desalvo shirt <laughs> 
I fucking forgot about. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm don't working. Don't be a DeSalvo. Don't be a DeSalvo. I'm totally working on it. Sorry, guys. It's gonna be fantastic. That's awesome. Now I just gotta remember that one. Blame, blame, blame the internet. So the DSM four TR, which is a text revision. Text, text, text revision. Right. They kept all the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they're like pictures from like the 40s <laughs> don't worry about that bush on that person it doesn't matter just change the text so a text revision of dsm4 titled dsm4 tr well it's a great name really sounds long. like a terminator <laughs> <laughs> be careful the dsm4 tr coming for you you have to run now get to the top of rotten <laughs> this was published in 2000 the diagnostic categories were unchanged as were the diagnostic criteria for all but nine diagnoses mm. the majority of the text was unchanged however the text of two disorders pervasive development disorder not otherwise specified and asperger's disorder had significant and or multiple changes made that uh, the definition of pervasive development disorder not otherwise specified was changed back to what it was in dsm 3 r specified yeah yeah i guess <laughs> well, this is not otherwise so they changed it back to what specified now like, specified yeah, <laughs> i don't know and the text for asperger's disorder was practically entirely rewritten well, i'm sure they I, it, that that's like kind of when that became prevalent prevalent yeah. so they probably were learning they uh, but when they put that out they were probably like all right we got to fix this like, yeah this has got to be in that was what six years after the four came out right you learn a lot in six years especially when you're you know in, mental health and stuff absolutely in the medical field and, yeah. and psychology and stuff so most other changes were to the associated features sections of diagnosis that contained additional information such as lab findings demographic information prevalence course yada yada also some diagnostic codes were changed to maintain consistency with icd 9 cm but they were already on 10 listen dude i don't come up with the rules all right what icd does you know you know those guys icd ucd we all cd <laughs> no <laughs> what no all right okay so that covers the first four editions and their revisions <laughs> And yes, for those of you who know your DS DSMs here, there is much more to editions three and four that, that we didn't get into. We are aware of this, but for the sake of time and sanity, we did it the way we felt best. So if you're sitting out there so like, fuck well, off, right? actually in the DSM three, they also did this and they added this and you know what? Fuck off. Right. We're pinpointing right now. God That's it. damn it. Bullet, bullet points. Yeah. Right? yeah you like that? Good. <laughs> That's good. loud. That's very loud, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> so that brings us to the present edition. The one that had piqued my interest so much. This is the DSM-5. Yes, but... Oh, am I? <laughs> wow. Oh, read on. Turns out the joke may be on me, <laughs> as big changes were anticipated, but few were implemented. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically just the, DM, uh, the DSM-4. DSM-4 with, like, they added another 6,000 disorders or something. <sighs> A similar revision process to that use for DSM-4 <laughs> was used, including 11 expensive field trails... Um, at medical trials, does it say trails? It says trails. <laughs> yeah, good job, buddy. Hey, whatever, dude. At, I, you at know trials <laughs> at medical academic sites to assess reliability, feasibility, and clinical utility of select revisions. Nineteen expert work study groups. Oh, reanalysis of large data sets. Data sets, and uh, the, you know they're done. The ma for the major highlights here are the autism spectrum disorder. Um, subsumes what were autistic disorder, Asperger, um, Asperger's disorder, childhood dis disintegrative disorder, and PDD NOS. Disintegrative disorder. Yeah, I've never that heard of that. Brutal. One. I know. I don't like that one. Childhood disintegrative disorder. That mean like you're you're 
I gotta look that one up eventually. That's I'll yeah, Google. look it up right now. I'll yeah, Google it. That, that sounds, sounds crazy. ADHD placed in the neurodevelopmental disorders category, which I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid. So was I. You know, okay. You know what? This will go. This will tell you how different things are these days from when I was a chap and when you were a chap. Uh, we always dinosaurs laugh. roam the earth when I correct. was a chap. Yes. Correct. We always laugh about this, and my, I told my wife about this, and we always laugh. Um, I still have uh, the the paper from the doctor saying that I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, uh-huh. but it doesn't call it ADHD at the time. What does it call it? It's called minimal brain dysfunction. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. That's what they called it. That's what they minimal said that I had. Minimal brain, brain dysfunction. Doesn't it sound like uh, like oxymoronic? Minimal brain dysfunction. So br- you, if you have it just brain... It means that I have a small amount of brain dysfunction. Right. My so, brain dysfunction is minimal, but it's there. So that means your brain really isn't dysfunctioning. <clears throat> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys ever wondered why I am the way I am, it's because I have minimal brain dysfunction. Moody's childhood doctor had a red nose and big shoes. Probably. <laughs> also, they also they prescribed me Ritalin. I almost said subscribed. They prescribed me Ritalin, what I was supposed to take every day at school. I just fucking cheeked it and spit it out when I was on my way back to class. I was on Ritalin as never a kid, took, too. I never yeah. took it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did, because if not, my mother would have... Yeah, well, I just drove my parents crazy. <laughs> we don't get it. We give him his medication. Why is he hanging off the chandelier? Maybe it's more than just minimal. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum brain disintegration. <laughs> oh Jesus! It's not funny, folks. It it's is hilarious because it's me. Yeah, it's... if we're making fun of him, that's fine. Yeah, your guys are allowed to do that. Yeah. So, uh, so with the ADHD on there, that was with intellectual developmental disorder, ASD, uh, specific LDs, motor disorders, and so on. Uh, then they added a schizophrenia spectrum. So it wasn't just schizophrenia. Now, right? There's a spectrum. There's, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a scale. Like a... Yeah. Minimal schizophrenia dysfunction <laughs> to maximum. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Dis- disruptive mood uh, dysregulation disorder added to the depressive disorders. Several new obsessive compulsive disorders added, like, uh, you know, hoarding, skin picking, substance induced skin picking. Oh, that's, that sounds brutal. But I have heard of that before. Where yeah, like some, people just like pick their skin You just off. sit around and you're like doing the next thing you know, you got like a big, you got a big hole in your neck. People do that with their fingernails and so like around their fingernails yeah, and cuticles. I used, and... You want to hear something disgusting that I no, used to do No, I don't. Going to happen. So when I was a kid, I used to bite my nails a lot. Okay? I still do. And so for all you people out there that are, that are biting your nails, your kids are biting their nails or whatever like that, oh, do I got a story for you. So when I was a kid, I used to bite my nails all the time. My mom used to get really mad at me. My dad used to tell me he was going to put chicken poop on my fingers so I'd stop eating them. That's what he told me all the time. He never did it, thank God. Child abuse. Or anyway, <laughs> maybe that's why I am the way I am now. <laughs> so anyway, I ended up getting a staph infection. In, you, would you like bite the skin or something? In the nail. Well, no, it was in the nail bed. So back here where the quick was. Yeah. So what happened was, is that as my nail was growing See, what out. Happened was, what happened was, <laughs> as my nail was growing out, there was a huge hole back here. So, because there was like pus pockets yeah. back here, and I could go like so this. So the nail didn't develop. Yeah. So I would squeeze back here, and pus would go and just come right out. Of it. Hold on, I'm gonna make that noise again. That's the pus. I'm not coming gonna out lie though, like I could find myself having fun with that if it's it was me. So gross, dude. Just be like, and then, but dude, it hurts so bad too. Oh, oh my god, it hurts so bad. And uh, the worst part about it is, is so since I had the staph infection, it poisoned my blood, and I almost Correct. died from it. 
Nice. Yeah. So I had to be rushed to the hospital and they had to put me on all kinds of shit or whatever. Dude, when between I was the two of us, we've almost died several times. Yeah, I almost died a couple years ago from a, uh, a uh, blood, uh, a, what was it, a septic? Septic? Was that when your head was all fucked? Like the side of your head was all Yeah, it was big and blue. And and yeah. Yeah, yeah that was fucked that. up. Best part about that story is it was like the weekend. I th- was it the weekend before Thanksgiving? I think it was Thanksgiving Eve. And I wasn't feeling well. And I was at work and I'm like, it's a, one of those busy yeah. nights or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm not feeling right. Something's wrong. So I go home and I've got like a fever and I'm just remember like, your like the whole side of your head was like my out, head ballooned out. The only thing I can if you guys have ever seen uh, Hitch with uh, Will, where he gets uh, Will, fucking, uh, Will, Will, Will Smith. Smith, where he gets the, the allergic, allergic reaction. reaction. <laughs> That's what my ear looked like, dude. <laughs> And, and so I told Grace I wasn't feeling well. And she's like, oh, okay, well, you know, just lay down or whatever. I'm like, no, babe, I don't feel well. She didn't come home until like super late because she thought I was just like, you know, being me and yeah. over whatever. She comes in the house or whatever and my head is just so swollen. Oh, and she's like, oh, my God. And I was like, I, <laughs> I told, told you. I told you I didn't feel good. <laughs> so the next day I went to the doctors and I had a hood up because I didn't want people seeing it. <laughs> So I walked in and the doctor, Fucking elephant, man. yeah, and I'm sitting there and the doctor comes in. He's like, all right, so what's going on? And his back's turned to me. So I pull my hood off and he turns around and he just looks at me and goes, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, dude, I know. It's never good when the doctor does that. And it turns out that my blood was poisoned and uh, I, I was turning, it's uh, is it not septic. Could be. No, what's it called? Is it sep- septic? No. Sepsis. Sepsis. Yeah, septic. So yeah, I was septic. I don't know, for some reason it sounds like septic tank, so that doesn't sound right. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a big pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey All right. Anyway. Uh, where's the... Yeah. I don't even know where the noise is. Yeah. That one. So I almost uh, almost died from that one, too. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, whatever. You guys are listening to this right now going, what the fuck is wrong with these two? Yeah. One of those weeks. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks. So they also added uh, gender dys- uh, dysphoria to this one. Uh, the gambling yep. disorder added to the substance-related and addictive disorders chapter. Which, Ga- gambling's which- pretty addictive and pretty fucked yeah it's people lose their entire it's just, lives as bad lives, as any of those lives. other ones man yeah it's because you just start gambling away all your money you're fucked you end up homeless then you're in a whole nother category yeah you end up fucking everybody you else go from the gambling category to the homeless remember there was a homeless category that's right whatever one that was in man yeah. you're just making your way through the dsm yeah, at that point. you're gonna be all full of dsm <laughs> dsm spectrum so almost no changes were made to the personality disorders Really? Yeah, yeah. The multi I got him right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> first eighteen times. <laughs> yeah. The multi-axial classification that characterized the DSM three, DSM three R, the DSM four, and the DSM four TR was abandoned. That was those five. The ones we talked about earlier. Yeah. yeah. The, yep. the, the axis. Correct. Axis. The DSM spawned the five-factor model or FFM. The F- <laughs> The firm. <laughs> also, I don't know if I left it in here. Did I leave it in there? Anymore? I'm sure you did. Just to fuck with me. What? What? I'll let it go. I'll, mm. I'll, 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 I'll bring it up later because it's pretty funny. Okay. So the FFM came about as an idea that it could be used to describe and understand the official personality disorder constructs from the American Psychiatric Association's diagnostic manuals. The FFM, while spawned from the DSM, is not exactly the same thing. They are often confused and many think they are the same thing. The five-factor model is based on five personality factors, often this, referred this to... This is pretty interesting. Yes, this is the one I was like... This is what made me interested in the dsm5 yeah, because it's, ba- it's basically like the five major bullet points that say start from it's here the five things that make up your personality right start from here and then let's branch off and figure yep. it out yeah yep so uh the five factor model is based on five personality factors often referred to the acronym ocean for openness conscientiousness extroversion 
agreeableness, and neuroticism. That's ocean. You guys get that? Ocean. Ocean. Is that Billy Ocean? Get out of my drip. Get in the backseat, baby. <laughs> Dude, did you see Guar cover that? Yes. <laughs> Dude, on the AV club shit. So crazy. Uh, anyway, they are measured on uh, con- uh, continu- continua. Whereby an, advent- uh, an individual may be highly extroverted, low in extroversion, um, or somewhere between those two extremes. So it's just that sliding scale again, right. basically. It enables the analysis of human personality based on observations carried out from clinical practices. Psychologist Lewis uh, Goldberg referred to these as the big five factors of personality and developed the International Personality Item Pool, or IPIP. Oh, fucking IPIP, dude. The IPIP. Love IPIP. IPIP. They have good pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, it's an inventory of descriptive statements relating to each trait. Within each factor, a set of individual traits relate to more specific aspects of personality. Okay? Sounds good. So the five factors at a glance. Let's look. Let's look at this. Shall we? The openness to experience dimension of personality is characterized by a willingness to try new activities. Openness to experience is often associated with intelligence when intelligence? I obviously don't have. <laughs> Sean Connery showed up for a oh, second. Sure. Sorry about that. Intelligence. Money partner. So openness to experience is often associated with intelligence when measuring personality factors. Individuals yeah. who score highly on verbal crystallized intelligence measures have been found to also report being more open to experience. So you people out there that like to try new things, you are smart motherfuckers, dude. You, you smart. Like You're listening smart to this podcast. And uh, I read I read basically what it is. They, they think it has to do with the fact that like... Uh, when you're more open to new experiences, you you do more things, you travel more, which makes you more learned because you you learn different things. Like especially if you're like traveling a lot, open to new like cultural experiences, you learn a lot about what you're doing. So you tend to be more intelligent because you're learning constantly because you're open to these new things. When you're also not like you know, super... and you get bored when you're smart, and you do the same shit over again. You get fucking bored. You want to right. do new stuff. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about conscientiousness. People who are conscientious Mm. are more aware of their actions and the consequences of their behavior than people who are unconscientious. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind whenever they talk about people who claim like the, um, the insanity defense. Yes. We talk about that a little bit. Okay. Does talk about that? A little bit about the insanity defense. Yeah. Because if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have conscientiousness of what your actions were, then they tend to look at you like, okay, maybe you maybe. are, maybe you are mentally whatever and you, yeah. you know, should not be tried. Whatever. I'm not, I'm not very conscientious. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> oh boy. So if you guys ever find out that I died, you know where to look. Yeah, I killed him. Yeah, there you go. They feel a sense of responsibility towards others and are generally careful to carry out the duties assigned to them. Conscientious <laughs> individuals like to keep a tidy environment and are well, well organized. So, okay, I do care about other people's behaviors. Man. Yeah, we're going to talk and we're going to get into this. But I'm not exactly the most well-organized person in the world. I have none of these things. Dude. <laughs> they are keen to maintain good timekeeping. Nope. Which I am. I am. I am, I am very punctual. When's the last time I was here on time? Uh, let's see. Uh, never. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Today well, wasn't my fault, though. My wife is the worst, dude. <laughs> Jeez, we call it grace time. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like we always tell it. We used to do that with Rob Arnold. Yeah, it, that's what we do. So <laughs> if anybody, if like even all of our friends and stuff, if they know that, that she has to be someplace at like tell, one o'clock, we tell, tell her like, like noon. 12, yeah, yep. swear to God, it's hilarious. And the only reason it is, and I'm not making, I am making fun of her, but whatever, is because. Love you. She crams like two hours worth of shit in 15 minutes yeah. all the time. Yep. She's always got something going on. I've never seen anyone with more fucking energy in my life and it drives me nuts. Like, I'm going to start giving her freaking quaaludes to get her to calm down. 
I still do that? <laughs> Is that still a thing? Quaaludes? Ludes? <laughs> Ludes, dude. <laughs> oh, it just reminds me of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> dude, I got those Ludes, dude. Dave's not here, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's fucking Labrador. Labrador, what's that? It's dog shit, man. <laughs> I left my stash up on the counter. A little fucker ate it. I had to follow him around for a week. Sorry. And if you guys don't know Cheech and John, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> people with high conscientious levels also exhibit more goal-oriented behavior. Nope. Low levels of conscious <laughs> low levels of conscientiousness are reflected in less motivated behavior. That's me. Unconscientious individuals are less concerned by tidiness and punctuality. That's me. Unconscientious people attend to engage in more impulsive behavior. Definitely me. They will act on a last-minute whim rather than considering the consequences of their choices. Every time. Research suggests that both in, uh, environmental factors and uh, heredi heredibility, her heredibility, Heritability. Heritability. That's what I said. May influence conscientiousness. See, so this is your fault and my parents' fault. <laughs> so right now, conscientiousness, you are on the low level of that. I'm on the low, definitely the low level. I'm on the high level of that, I would say, because I do care about yeah. people and I'm, I'm very punctual and I stuff I think like we're that. both on the high end of openness. On openness, I think yeah. we both are as well. Yeah. Okay. So therefore. Yeah. Keeping true. We're going to see how crazy. Yeah, we're going to. We should be writing this down. We should be. You guys write this down for us. It's a game show. <laughs> how crazy are the hosts? <laughs> Da -da -da, da -da -da. We need the kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then there's extroversion. Oh. Extroversion is a is characterized by outgoing, socially confident behavior. Okay. Extroverts are sociable, not me. Talkative and often forward in social uh, in social situations. I am like that. I'm not. I'm, I'm way, definitely an extrovert. I'm totally introverted. I swear to God. Also, I'm loud. <laughs> You're loud, which helps to be yeah. an extrovert. You they, can't be a loud introvert. <laughs> They enjoy being the center of a group and will yeah. often seek the attention of others. Yeah, sure. This personality trait is measured uh, on an introversion-extroversion continuum. Individuals who fit in the middle of the two traits are described as ambiverts. Uh, maybe Would you I'm, be an ambivert? I'm probably more of an ambivert. You look like an ambivert. Which sounds like a fucking weird dinosaur they found just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm going to start making fun of people like that. <laughs> they'll say, because they, they won't know what it means. <laughs> they'll say something like, whatever, you fucking ambivert. They'll be like... <laughs> They'll think it's like something like highbrow. Bad, like. Yeah. <laughs> dude, what the fuck you, man? Just fucking call me an ambivert. Call me an ambivert. Fucking asshole. Someone be like, dude, are you, do you know what that means? Like, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Yeah, you just proved my point, so shut up. <laughs> Introverts are people with low levels of extroversion, uh, display kind of, uh, contrasting behavior. Uh, they are quieter and often feel shy around other people. They may feel intimidated being in large groups such as parties and will often try to avoid demanding social gatherings. Okay, so with me... How can you consider yourself an introvert, though, if you're a fucking lead singer of a band? Dude, I, I the only time anyone ever really saw me was when I was on stage. I really didn't, like, hang out. I did, like, in crowds and stuff like that. I just... Mm. Never been my thing. I mean, I hate people and I hate being around people, but I'm still con I still consider myself an extrovert. I mean, I'm social. I'm not. I'm definitely on the the ambivert side of things. Like, I'm social and whatever, but yeah. I really don't want to be there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll I'll go to the things with my wife. See, I'm the same way, but it's mostly because I just am lazy. <laughs> I'd rather stay home. And hate most people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say I'm I'm, I'm in the middle of that. I don't one. like getting dressed. So would you say you're on the higher end of? Uh, I, I'm I'm on the higher end of the extroversion okay. scale. So so far you're. High on two, low on one, right? Yeah. And I'm high on... <laughs> so so far, the one that I'm low on is the one that makes me an asshole, too. So. Yeah, that's the one where you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so agreeableness. Individuals who score highly on agreeableness uh, measures are friendly and cooperative. Nope. I'm not friendly. Often considered... I am, actually, but it's all fake. 
So you're not friendly. No, you know, but I, ha- I feel like I have <laughs> to be. You're just a dick. Well, no, that goes to the the other part, the conscientiousness side. Yeah, of that's things, true. Where I think about yep. other people and there I don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever, so I I tend to be. And I prefer to hurt people's feelings <laughs> and make them cry. <laughs> Often considered more likable by their peers and colleagues, agreeable people are trusting of others and are more altruistic. I don't trust anybody. Neither do I. Welcome, are uh, willing to help others during times of need. Nope. Their ability to work with other means that they often work well as members of a team. Individuals who are disagreeable score lower on the dimension of personality. Duh. They are less concerned with pleasing other people and making friends. Disagreeable individuals are more suspicious of other people's intentions and are less charitable. That's me to a fucking T right there. (laughs) As with some of the other big five personality factors, our agreeableness, ah, agreeableness levels are fluid throughout our lives, tending to increase... As we grow older, so you See, can actually I would become, think it'd be the other way. No, it, it's, you become less agreeable when you're because it's like the whole like get off my lawn. But that's what it's saying. It's saying whatever your level is when you're younger, it's just going to intensify. Or, or, it, it, yeah, it's going to increase. So if you're oh okay, I see what you say. Okay, yeah. So if you're disagreeable as a young kid, it's just oh, going to get fucking man. worse. Fucking, you better. If I live till I'm eighty, fuckers better watch out. <laughs> get away from me! I fucking hate you. Dude, I'm gonna have landmines in my yard and shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Then let's talk about the last one: neuroticism. <laughs> Oh, but, but we got to go back to that one. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm agreeableness. I'm, I'm agreeableness. I am not agreeable or dude. I'm an asshole. Yeah, you, you're you're on the holy uh, crap. You're on the the five um um what's it called the uh, watch list. That's what you are. Yeah, right dude, I might kill somebody. You guys hearing this, right? Everyone out there is listening right now. Good. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> ah, he's looking at me funny. <laughs> so with me, uh, I'm agreeable only to because I feel like I, I kind of have to be, and I don't like hurting people's feelings. So you're like in people. the middle on that scale. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm in the middle of that one as well. Yeah. So neuroticism. This personality dimension is measured on a continuum uh, ranging from emotional stability <laughs> to emotional instability or neuroticism. People with high neuroticism scores are often persistent worriers. They are more fearful and often feel anxious, overthinking their problems and exaggerating their significance. Rather than seeing the positive in a situation, they may dwell on its negative aspects. People with low neuroticism scores are less preoccupied by these negative concerns. They are able to remain more calm in response to stressful situations and view problems in proportion to their importance. As a result, they tend to worry about such problems to a lesser extent. A person's neuroticism can uh, can have uh, repercussions in terms of the relationships with others. A study found that people in relationships were less happy than other couples if their partner scored highly on the personality trait. Yeah, who wants a fucking neurotic, like, significant other? Oh, yeah, because someone that's always worried about shit. See, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely low on the neurotic, like, I'm, because I just don't give a fuck. Like, I don't worry about shit. I don't care. like i don't care i'm gonna have to say i'm on the higher side of this one i could see that i worry about everything only because i got so many so many well here's the problem i'm generally one of those like "Eh, it'll work itself out i'm that asshole that that whole adage of um if i don't do it it's not gonna get done right well i feel that way too but then i just don't do it because fuck that (laughs) but it just doesn't get done but see that's the problem is i feel like i have to get everything done and i have to do it myself and then that therein rises the uh, the the neuroticism part yeah. of it. Yeah, no, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, fuck, fuck, I gotta do this, and if I don't do this, then it's gonna be all fucked up, and people aren't gonna, fuck, you know what I mean? I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, man, if I don't do this, it ain't gonna get done right. I'm like, yeah, I guess it ain't getting done. All right, so right now, I'd say we're. Well, I'm definitely on the 50-50 side of this, where I feel like I'm. You're e- kind of in the middle, right down the line. I feel like except I'm for even the killed. openness, you're yeah. you're on the high end. I'm of on the, the high openness. end of that, but I feel as other, uh, which probably is a good thing. Because it says you're more yeah. intelligent and everything yeah, yeah. else, right? Okay. So I'm pretty much down <laughs> the end. Where you, on the other hand, should be fucking locked up. <laughs> Apparently. 
<laughs> I'm not agreeable. You're not agreeable. I am not conscientious. Not a cr- and conscientious. And well, I'm not neurotic, so that's good. I, does that balance it out? <laughs> I don't know. I actually think that that would lead towards more like. I know. Does that complement one like over the other? Can you be like on the bottom scale of neuroticism, but yet still be on the top scale of uh, what's the other one that you're on the top scale? Extroversion. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. Absolutely. Okay. Still think you're crazy. It means I'm not neurotic, but I am. Uh, I still like to go and do crazy shit. Okay. These five major traits contain facets, and within these facets are the 18 items that experts link with psychopathy. Dude, right? I, I gotta get into that and see. <laughs> I gotta get deeper into this. Like where, where you lie. Yes. <laughs> Actually, okay. So before we go too much farther, since you brought up psychopathy, okay. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the, uh, there is a riddle that if you can guess the answer to, and if you get it usually the first time, it means you're a psychopath. Do you know, do you know this riddle? I do not. Okay. I'm going to read it to you. I wanted to do this. If if this is like a fucking joke thing. No, it's not at all. Like if your name starts with a J and ends with an N. No, (laughs) no. As much as I would like that to be true. No, no. This is, this is good because it's basically what they say is if you can answer this question fairly easily and on the first try, it means you're a psychopath. Indians just one. Just saying. Nice. Yep. Go tribe. Yep. Go tribe. Are you ready for it? Yep. Okay, here we go. Here's the riddle. <clears throat> a woman is at her mother's funeral when suddenly she sees a man so handsome that she instantly falls in love with him. Okay. Unfortunately, she doesn't get a chance to talk to the man. So the next day, she killed her sister. What was the motive behind killing her sister? Okay, hold on. Say it again. Okay, I'll read the whole thing Because I'm going through it in my head, so go ahead. If anyone at home just got the answer to this, you're a fucking psychopath. Call the police right now. Unless you, unless you already knew the answer. A woman goes to her mother's funeral and sees a man so handsome, so it was most likely myself, that she falls instantly in love with him. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. She never gets a chance to talk to him at the funeral, so she goes home, and the next day she kills her sister. Why? Damn. Um, I'm trying to put this all together in my head real quick. Do, do, do. No, the kazoo. <laughs> we got to get the kazoo, dude. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, my dogs are going to love that, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know. No answer? No answer. Well, congratulations, because you're not a psychopath. Well, that's good. But what Should we give the answer? Should we just make people listen till the end, and I'll give it at the end? At the end. You got to wait right. till the end. You got to listen to the end. You f- yeah, you fuckers are going to Google it anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're going to But we're going to wait. We're going to make yeah. you wait. We'll wait to the end. So we started with the DSM-5, which led us to the FFM, which brings us to Psychos. That's where we're at. We're at Psychopathy. Kind of where Moody's leaning a little bit. Yeah. There were so many damn case studies and legal papers from law students, this shit was hard to research, as Moody said, past the basic explanations. As for both being used in legal settings, that is an even more gigantic pile of stinky shit to wade through. There were at least six pages worth of Google, uh, yeah. <laughs> of, uh, Google pages or whatever, about the misuses of both in diagnosing criminals for court cases. So I could see that. Okay, so I, I guess I did because I, I had to move some things around, so I don't know if I put it in there. It might be in there later. Oh, if if you're following along and you, uh, <laughs> he's looking over the notes it. now. To see what's in it. <laughs> you guys are following along, and you you decide to look up some of this stuff. Don't Google FFM at work. Ooh, is it uh, not safe for work? It brings up tons of pornography. What? F, what, what is FFM? Okay, so I had to look it up because I'm like, why am I getting all this porn? 
So I may or may not have clicked on one to see what it was. Apparently it stands for female, female, male, as in threesomes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They also have MMF, apparently, which is male, male, male female. female. Okay. Yeah, don't look that stuff up, Yeah, guys. so I was Googling it, and I'm like, hot FFM sweet ass. I'm like, what? <laughs> what does this have to do with... I'm like, what is going on? And then, like, I just... I'm going swiping up. I'm like, why is this all fucking porn right now? Just remember, it's actually called the five factor model. So hey, don't look, Google. If you're at work, do not Google FFM. Don't Google FFM. Because they're going to, they're probably going to have a talk with you if you do. So a good amount of the misuses we're dealing with, uh, we're dealing with, uh, with, with trying to use the DSM-5 and the FFM as proof for an insanity plea. Okay. Like I talked about not earlier. Not pornography though. But not pornography, which, okay. Yeah, could, maybe. I mean. I'm sure someone has. <laughs> Probably. You're running around addicted to pornography. Dude, there's a lot of that shit. People use that all the time. There's a lot of people addicted. You can be addicted to porn. So not necessarily misused, but it seems that even when these are used to help determine personality and or mental illness, even these are rarely convincing enough to actually grant an insanity ruling. In fact, it is extremely rare. It's extremely rare. Dude, I got numbers, bro. I got numbers in there, bro. The FFM and no, not female, female, male (laughs) can help determine a person's personality and possibly (laughs) if they are a psychopath. Man. But even being a psychopath won't automatically guarantee any kind nope. of insanity defense. The DSM-5 can help identify any mental disorders, but mental disorders alone don't call for an automatic insanity defense. Even put together personality profile and any underlying mental disorders, they are not necessarily a recipe for insanity. Nope. Successful ins- uh, insanity defenses are rare, like I just said. While rates vary from state to state, on average, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. 0.85% actually raises the insanity defense nationwide so of every case in the country every year less than one percent try to use that to try to use it and most of them probably just do it because they're fucking being assholes right because they got to try something yeah yeah that's crazy damn that's that low wow i listen to way too much true crime 0.85 percent because almost everyone, and then when I listen to True Crime, but I guess that makes sense because those are good cases. So yeah. people think they're well, that's exactly it. You know, I'm crazy. Give me the peanut butter. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I love peanut butter. <laughs> Interestingly, states with higher rates of insanity defenses tend to have lower success rates for insanity defenses. The percentage of all defendants found NGRI not guilty by reason of insanity is fairly constant at around get this one 0.26. That's a little over a quarter of so, a percent. So that's saying that. Of all the cases, less than 1% of those cases, people even bother trying. And then of that less than 1%, only a quarter of those are successful. So that just goes to show you how fucking insane you got to be to be. And how difficult it is to prove. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. So I guess back in the day, real quick, sorry. I guess back in the day, it was much, much easier to claim insanity and get away with it. And apparently in Europe. Yeah. Remember, she's a witch. Burn her. Right. So apparently in Canada and I think Canada and Europe, it's a lot easier to get away with it because they have different like rules for what it is. And like if you claim it and you're found by a jury to be whatever. Let's be honest. They're also not as quick to throw people in prison. Right. Yeah. So but I guess they were like there were points where I mean, I might even talk about it here, but I guess like the burden of proof and I didn't know this. The burden of proof to claim insanity used to be on the prosecution. They had to prove that you were not insane. The oh. prosecution did. And then at one point they were like, this is fucking dumb. If you're going to claim insanity, you got to prove that you're fucking crazy. 
So they switched okay, so the they switched the burden of proof to the defense, and since well, since they did that, and then like I'll talk about a little bit as far as like the different things that they adopted, they made this like wholesale change. Like, why should I have to prove that you're insane if you're the one telling me you're insane? Like that doesn't make any sense. So they flipped the burden of proof, which made a huge difference on the amount of people that a claimed insanity and b could prove insanity. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense because if you're trying to say if you're claiming that I'm guilty, then you got to prove I'm guilty. So right. if you're claiming that you're the insane, the burden of proof is always on the prosecution. Right. When they're trying to say that you're guilty. So if you're trying to say that you're not guilty or you're insane, burden of proof should be you got to fucking prove yeah. it. So another reason that it is hard to use the DSM-5 in an instant insanity defenses is the factor of the many differing opinions on how the DSM-5 is applied. I remember we were talking, whatever. Right. We saw earlier in the episode that there was a large amount of different diagnosis on patients that had the same symptoms because everybody kind of does things differently and different medical professionals do things differently. Dude, I once had a... As we've talked about before, which, by the way, um, uh, one of Laura, Laura, I think her name is Laura. One of our listeners actually mm -hmm. said something the other day about, you know, hey, I hope you do well with yeah, your yeah. mental craziness, whatever. I once went to a psychiatrist. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking hope about myself. You're doing good with your mental craziness, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Thanks. I mean, you can say it. I don't give a shit. Um, so <laughs> I went to this guy and he freaking prescribed me with 900 milligrams of lithium a day. A day, dude. 900 and if anyone Dude, out there just you you just sit on your fucking couch all day if you are a medical professional if you know anyone out there that's been you know uh, prescribed that you know that's a lot that's ridiculous yeah well i ended up getting uh lithium poisoning from it it's no shit yeah it was bad <laughs> today's just all kinds of freaking bullshit isn't it? Damn, we're not that bad guys we we enjoy our lives we're not that good it's either you know, it's not that good either whatever fuck off you so, enjoy you enjoy your life yeah huh yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> know what that's like <laughs> your face. just kidding honey i love you kids are great so after all this we then looked in the dsm as it pertains to profiling as i mentioned it turns out profilers don't really use the dsm-5 to help them John which is getting shit out of right this episode which dude. maybe they should seeing as how profilers are right only around 66 percent of the time they could probably use all the help they can get some, however, believe by using the DSM-5, you can find the common mental illness of serial killers and use that to help determine a profile. Makes sense to me. Correct. Like, yeah, but they're saying the biggest thing with that is, so, so on a side note real quick, sorry. Apparently, like, criminal profiling is, like, on its way out because people are just like, this is fucking dumb and it doesn't work. I didn't realize that, but I guess it is. Yeah, absolutely. By the and, way, these uh, beers are really expensive. Oh, well, thanks. This is, not, this is how I'm paying you from now on. I'm glad you think I'm worth it. <laughs> um... <laughs> But apparently, like, criminal profiling is kind of, like, up in the air right now. There's a lot of people that are just like, this is stupid and, like, fucking whatever. And is that just because they're not uh, 100%? They don't believe in it. Yeah, a lot of people are like, it's not cool, but it doesn't believe in it. But um, I completely forgot where I was going with it. <laughs> what are we talking about? Criminal profilers, serial killers, uh, somehow at 66%. They could probably use all the help they can get. Uh, you got that? We'll come back to it. Some, however, believe by using the DSM-5, you can find the common illness serial killers and use that to help determine a profile. Okay, well, that's what I thought. Oh, that's okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, see, that helps. It, they, uh, the biggest issue with that is, I guess, a lot of people say that if you try to use that kind of stuff in profiling, that you're going to get, it leads back to the whole stigmatism type thing, like where if you're saying, well, it looks like 72% of all serial killers are schizophrenic, people are going to be like, Holy shit, if you're schizophrenic, you're going to be a fucking serial killer. So they, they, oh, that's one saying. of the reasons that they yeah. don't like to use that in profiling because they don't want that to be 
So, and, and listen, that's the thing I, I definitely want to pinpoint here too is that none of this stuff, no mental illness to me, should be a negative stigma. Mm-mm. It should not have that stigma no, behind it. Unfortunately, it does, yeah. and it sucks. That's why I kind of make fun of it with, with myself because people don't understand. It. Right? Like you know, I know I have problems. I know I have issues. But again, and I, I keep saying this over and over. We keep saying this. When, when if you feel you do, even if you think you might. Get go talk to someone. Get some help. Just talk to someone. You can call. Uh, what is that, uh, that? That one that's out now that everyone uh, raves about. Um, uh, it's online help or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where you can call and just like talk to people and better help. Better help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or better health. Better health. Better health. Better help. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. I don't know. But you can like text someone twenty four yeah, hours a day. Like any time of the day, yeah. if you need help or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of shit, dude. Like you know. So that's why I make fun of it though, because I look at it like. You know, like, you know, when you were a little kid or you know, young or whatever, and someone freaking gave you a bad nickname that you hated, you didn't sit there and go, oh, man, you made fun of it, too. You make fun of yourself, yeah. too, because then it's no it longer takes all the fun. It out of takes it. it out of it. You know what I mean? So, yep. yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Whatever. So speaking of mental illness here, let's look at the top three mental illnesses most commonly found in serial killers. Correct. First up, yeah, I kind of figured this one, schizophrenia. That's a big one, man. And schizophrenia. Especially when it's undiagnosed. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, too. Guys, I'm not downplaying anything, but if it's not diagnosed, it can it can be bad. Yeah. Definitely. So schizophrenia is a severe mental disorder that affects how a person thinks, feels, and behaves. Symptoms range from hallucinations and delusions to emotional flatness and catatonia. It is one of the most common mental disorders diagnosed among criminals, especially serial killers. David Berkowitz. We know old Berkowitz. The old son of Sam. Yeah. Richard Chase, James Holmes, and I'm going to say that that's probably Ed Gain, not Ed Vane. Shut up, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, good old Ed it Vane. Is Ed Vane. That's the speaking of pornography. <laughs> Holy shit. I must have wrote the wrong name now because I was on the wrong page. You think Ed Vane. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Ed Gain or Ed Gein, whichever way you want if to pronounce it. If you're not familiar with James Holmes, he's the guy that shot up that theater in Colorado. Oh, okay. The Batman movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they all had uh, schizophrenia. Okay. Now, next up, we have borderline personality disorder characterized by impulsive behaviors, intense mood swings, feelings of low self-worth and problems in interpersonal relationships. Borderline personality disorder seems more common among female criminals. However, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Gilbert and uh, Eileen Warnos. Oh, boy. I, who's, I looked up Kristen Gilbert. I can't remember who that was. Well, we all know who Warnos is. Oh, God, no, I if you don't know who Warnos is, she's uh, she's the one that, uh, um, what's her name, portrayed in uh, Monster. Yeah, fucking uh, gosh, Charlize so, Theron. She's hot, too. Yeah, Charlize. Well, not that movie. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron, Charlize Theron yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, she definitely, but she played that part right. You Love know you, mean? honey. <laughs> so anyway, they were all found. Well, who was board. the other one? Kristen Gilbert? Kristen H. Gilbert. Who the hell was that? Uh, old man Gilbert's daughter. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. She's a serial killer. Well, yeah, but I don't know if I know her. Yeah, oh, that's right. She was like a nurse that killed people. at the Oh, hospital. okay. She was one of the angels of death or whatever yeah. they are. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So they all had borderline personality disorder. She's still alive. Antisocial personality disorder is the third major illness known in the past as psychopathy. This mental disorder is characterized by a total lack of remorse and disregard of the feelings of others. This is the antisocial? Yeah. Personality? Okay. Yeah, this is you. Uh, while it's reported that... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. People with APD may lie, act out violently, or break the law. While it's reported mm-hmm. that APD only affects 0.6% of the population, it may affect up to 47 47- of male inmates 
47% of male yeah. inmates and 21% of female inmates. Ooh. Yeah. And so there's kind of a well, kind of a little correlation, correlation there. there. Yeah. yeah. Dude, there was a lot. So when I when I was looking into this, man, there was there is a fucking buttload of papers on mental disorders in prisons and how it's getting into like the uh <clears throat> the people are like why is it why is the rate so high and everyone thinks it's because these people are crazy they do stupid shit and they get thrown in jail but they're actually finding out links that <clears throat> people just do dumb shit because people do dumb shit they end up in jail and it ends up being a uh like the whole um um like situational issue yeah like they, be, they become yeah they they gain you know so absolutely that's why i was saying like everything's fucking yeah i was saying earlier that more um more other countries they kind of cater to mental you know getting yeah. help for mental yeah. illness and stuff yeah. like that as opposed to ah fuck well, the other jail. problem is when they find out those people are in jail and that they are mentally ill there's not much help for them around here right so it's uh, also been diagnosed among three of the most ruthless serial killers. So we know that we just said that it was formerly known as psychopathy, but turn out that turns out that they may be two distinct, differently th- they uh, different, different things. They are different. Yes. There's actually pushback from both sides that uh, there are traits of each that are distinct from the other. Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, and John Wayne Gacy were all diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. These de- uh, determinations of the diagnosis were carried out using the DSM-5 guidelines for determining illnesses. So while it may not be used in profiling, so to speak, you can use it to gather information to help see the traits of other people like the one they're looking for. And that's, I guess that's more what I was talking about. So. Right. So basically they can, they can, they can get a good idea of what they're dealing with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if they look at somebody like, okay, this person is doing this, 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 and this, those are the traits of a psychopath. So we're dealing with someone who is a psychopath or we're dealing with someone that has all the signs of borderline personality disorder. So they kind of know they can use that to get an idea of what they might do next or how they might act in certain situations. So it's not necessarily used in profiling specifically, but they can, it's almost like a, uh, like a fucking like a gauge. It's just like a little, like a little helper on the side. The helper. Yeah. Little, little helper. Like, you, you know, the little hamburger helper hand. That's, that's, make great that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So the DSM-5 or the DSM has been a valuable tool for mental health development and treatment. Every mental health professional using the DSM in his uh, or have uses the DSM in uh, his or her own way. Some practitioners rigidly stick to the manual, developing treatment plans for each client based solely on the book's diagnosis. Others use the DSM as a guideline, a tool, as we just said, to make tool. hamburger helper. Yeah, yeah. Tool, to help them conceptualize recipes, cases. Recipes. Is that what it has? Yeah. yeah. Right Recipe. next. It's actually, there's some really good recipes in the alcoholism uh, section. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like beer broths and <laughs> beer batter. But it helps them conceptualize <laughs> cases. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. To conceptualize cases while focusing on each client's unique set of circumstances. Despite its flaws, the DSM is uniquely helpful for several reasons. So... Standardization. Beyond billing and coding, standardization provides a number of important benefits to the uh, clinician and the client. Standardization of diagnosis helps ensure that uh, clients receive appropriate, helpful treatment, regardless of location, social class, or ability to pay. It provides a concrete assessment of issues and helps therapists develop special goals or specific goals of therapy, as well as assess the effectiveness of treatment. So the one thing I was reading was basically saying that if you work in that field, 
you almost have to use the DSM to get your diagnosis and things like that to even be able to bill insurance companies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. So it's kind of, yeah, this you is your pretty guidebook, much, You right? pretty much have, like, you, you pretty much have to say, look, according to the DSM-5, this, 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 and this, this is what we came up with. This is the diagnosis that we came up with according to the DSM-5. Right. And that's how you prove, basically, to the insurance company that... Oh, man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like, I read that, and I was like, Jesus, no wonder there's so many fucking problems. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So, uh, research guidance, another one here. In addition, the DSM helps uh, guide research in the mental health field. The diagnostic checklists help ensure that different groups of researchers are studying the same disorder, which helps. <laughs> Although this may be more theoretical than practical, as so many disorders have such widely varying symptoms. So, And kind of what it comes down to with all that stuff, too, is that you and I may be diagnosed with the exact same thing, but that doesn't mean we're going to we have, have completely different symptoms. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, therapeutic guidance for the mental health professional. The DSM eliminates a lot of guesswork. Proper diagnosis and uh, treatment of mental illness remains an art, but the DSM diagnostic criteria, uh, criteria serve as sort of a map. In the age of brief therapy, a clinician may see a specific client only a hand handful of times, which na may not be enough to delve fully into the client's background and issues, which I agree with. Right. Using the diagnostic criteria contained in the DSM, the therapist can develop a quick frame of reference, which is then refined during individual sessions. Makes right. sense. So basically, you can get the quick diagnosis, okay, this is where they're at, and then... It gives you a good starting point instead of having to take four sessions to even really figure out what's going on. You can figure it out quickly and then go from there and you have more time to actually help somebody as opposed to figure out what the hell's going on with them. Right. I guess it kind of makes, I mean, yeah, that's actually awesome. To yeah. Be honest with no, you. it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's almost having like a, what are those books for? Uh... Cliff Notes? No, not Cliff Notes. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. Yeah, kind of. No, the ones that they use for um, for automotive repair and stuff. Was it like McCann's or something? Oh, yeah, I know what Cans, you're talking about. Cans, I know what you're talking about. Cracker Jacks? I don't know. Dude, there's, there's mechanic guys out there just like, are you guys fucking dumb? Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all even know how to drive a car? <laughs> so, of course, no tool is perfect except Moody. It's true. <laughs> and the DSM is no it's exception. It's true. Being aware of its drawbacks is important for both patients and therapists. All right, so let's talk about some drawbacks. Yeah, let's do that. Oversimplification. The latest okay. round of criticism echoes a long-running debate on the nature of mental health. Many critics of the DSM see it as an oversimplification of the vast continuum of human behavior. Some worry that by reducing complex problems to label and uh, to labels and numbers, the scientific community risks losing track of the unique human element. Makes sense. All right, it's making it too broad. You know. Yeah, that's it. Well, they're, oh, oh well, it doesn't. It basically, it doesn't take into account other factors than right. may. Yeah, which I feel that happens a lot. Yeah, with everything. Yeah. So misdiagnosis or overdiagnosis, this happens a fuck ton. Possible risks include misdiagnosis or even overdiagnosis in which vast groups of people are labeled as having a disorder simply because their behavior does not always line up with the current ideal. Duh. Childhood attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Hmm. Weren't we just talking about that? Is well, dude, a common example. Yeah. You get a fucking like seven-year-old boy. Who's a little wild. And they just assume that they're ADHD. Mm -hmm. He's a fucking seven-year-old boy. He's yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you remember when you were seven, but... Oh, that was a long time ago. Dude, I was four years old riding down to my neighbor's house calling him an asshole. Doesn't mean I have ADHD. Means I'm a fucking four-year-old boy. I don't know if I agree with that. 
I mean, it makes me an asshole, but it doesn't make me. Yeah, a, I'm, not, I'm not, uh, not sure if I agree. Dude, with that. you were crazy when you were young, right? When you were like fucking six, seven, eight years old. I wasn't crazy, but I was very. Uh, I'm sure I you was were hyper. As I'm, exactly. Fuck, I'm sure you were, and it's not because you had ADHD. Most likely, it's because you were fucking seven, eight year old, nine, nine year old yeah, boy. Yeah, of course. Again, that's the mixed misdiagnosis. So. Um, uh, shifts in terminology and diagnostic criteria in DSM-4 coincided with a massive upturn in the number of children on Ritalin or other medications. Let's see. That one came out in 1980. Wait, when was that? DSM-4? No, no. That was 94. 94? 94. 94. Oh. I was 14 by then. I was past that. <laughs> Your parents are like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> I knew it. That son of a bitch. You know, they were probably always wondering, like, they would see, like, things for a riddle, and they're like, hey, it never worked for our kid. It's good enough fucking take them. <laughs> don't, you guys out there, don't tell my parents. Yeah, okay? don't, tell, don't tell mom and dad. Yeah. Although I'm sure they know by now. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. <laughs> Love that movie. It'd be fucked up if one of these people told my parents that. <laughs> Get a phone call tomorrow. Guess what I just heard? <laughs> Son of a bitch. It was Chad Flynn, wasn't it? <laughs> Fuck you, Chad. <laughs> just kidding, buddy. We love you. So uh, the last one here uh, on the negative side of things is labeling and stigmatization. Other risks involve the possibility of, yes, stigmatization. Although mental health disorders are not viewed in the negative light that they once were, specific disorders can be perceived as labels. Mm -hmm. Some therapists take great care to avoid attaching labels to their clients. But for a variety of reasons, a specific diagnosis may be required. So, yeah, that's that other one there, so are, too. Are the other ones just, like, printing out labels and sticking it on people? It's, uh, my name is. <laughs> my name is Schizophrenic. <laughs> My name is fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Who knows? Uh, some of these, there's some bad doctors. I don't understand, like, and that's the other thing. Like, I don't understand what they consider labels. Like, if you have schizophrenia, you're a schizophrenic. That's not a label. That's what you are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Do they consider that a label? Like, I would say because, yes. Just because people could take it as a negative. But that's also one of those ones that is like, that, that one's highly stigma, sti uh, stigmatized. Yeah. That one's real, you know, real. You hear, well, yeah. you walk in there and let's just say you're you on the low. About, you don't hear about low end schizophrenia. That's what I'm you saying. You hear about the guys that see shit, hear shit, and fucking kill people. Yeah, but to the layman person, they don't care if it's low end schizophrenia or not. They hear the word schizophrenia. And they're like, ooh, he could snap anytime. Exactly. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You're like, no, dude, I'm low end. Like, I hear a couple things now and then. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm small. cool. I'm on medication. Yeah, I'm cool. Good. But the second you hear that, yeah. you know, like it automatically becomes this negative entity, you yeah. know? And there's nothing worse. Here, listen, I'm going to say something to all you folks out there. And this oh, is just me kind of getting real. Do you want me to go get your soapbox for you? <laughs> I can. You might need to. If somebody does ever get diagnosed with something like that, please, even if you're in a fucking argument, don't ever use that against them in a fucking argument mm -hmm. ever. If they're having a bad day, if you guys are in an argument or you're fucking upset or they're upset or whatever, don't be like, it's because you're fucking bipolar. You know, Don't fucking do that. Don't do that. That is not, you're going to regret that shit is all I'm saying. That's a little helpful advice from your uncle, John. Just saying, you know, you're an uncle. Yeah, I, I am an uncle. Are you? I am. Yes. I have uh, two nieces and a nephew. Yeah. They call you crazy uncle John. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> behind my back. Yeah. So while doing the research, Many, 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 many more boring ass theses were were uh, oh, theses, 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 like theses pizza. <laughs> you ever been to theses pizza? So <laughs> but they were read while trying to give me what I wanted as far as the link between the DSMs and serial killers and such. 
The thing is, there isn't much, and what's out there is basically just the same stuff over and over. The biggest link you'll find between the DSM and serial killers is the use of the DSM in diagnosing psychopathy and so, uh, socio... So, so <laughs> I'm doing so yes! good. That's like two. You definitely got. You've definitely hit the unders. So thank far. you. Yeah. Thank you. I just lost. Damn it. I just lost all my money. So so so, so how? So that counts as two. That's three now. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I got it. Why can't I get that? What is it? What the fuck is the word? That's so sociopath. Sociopathy. Motherfucker! I knew that. For or some reason, so I couldn't get that out. Sociopathy? I don't know how you Sociopathy is where I, I was going with. It. Yeah, whatever. In a majority of the cases. <laughs> <laughs> Just glanced right over that. One cool thing we found was that at one point, psychologists were asked to look into the personality yeah, and mental cool. well-being of one Ted Bundy. Theodore Bundy. Yeah. That not related to the Bundys like Al Bundy. No. He was not on the television show. No, he was didn't work in a shoe store. No. Well, he may have. I don't think he... No? Did maybe. he? He might have. I don't know. Sounds like something he would do. <laughs> Perhaps the most obvious reason for this interest in Bunny is the fact that he was able to function and even flourish in his career and personal life while carrying out and evading arrest for a long-standing series of brutal rapes and murders. Yeah, the dude literally was the dude next door. Super <laughs> not, charming. Not only that, he escaped jail twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of, again, not glamorizing anyone that's a serial killer. In any way, shape, or form. But he was one of the... Uh, how do I put it without sounding... Most entertaining. You wanted to say best, didn't you? No, I'm not going to say He's best. one of the best. No, I'm not going to say best. I refuse. I'm not doing it. We're going to say most entertaining as far as like when you followed whatever he went into. Yeah. You're like, holy shit. This dude did what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And entertaining, I don't mean like, yeah, he did this. I mean more like in intriguing, I guess. No, yeah, yeah intriguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Just, interesting. He's interesting to, yeah, to, there to see go. his story and there everything that went down. It sucks that you have to be so damn tiptoeish around shit like just that. Just because someone's going to take it wrong? Someone's going to take it fucking wrong. You know what? I, you know what? I don't mean that. You know, like, if you know goddamn just, well I don't mean If that. it was just me and you, you'd be like, dude, he's like the best serial killer. <laughs> I'd be like, and I would know what you meant. Right. You know, I don't mean like, oh, he's best at killing people. It's just him as a person. But if you said that here, someone out there would be like, right. I don't like this show because somebody said that they were the best serial killer and I one don't like star that. i'm gonna take 10 minutes out of my day to tell you how much i don't like that oh, <laughs> sorry i'm in a mood whatever so <laughs> i am dude it's been a fucking week shit you ain't gonna tell me jesus so 73 psychologists that's 73 psychologists from 73 APA Division 42 recently took the opportunity to participate in a study concerned with the personality structure of It says Ted recently, Bundy. but I believe this was like 2018-ish, yes, maybe? Recently-ish. I mean, within the last like five years, I think. It's sooner than 2017. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> The psychologists were provided a brief one and a half page vignette. Yes. Vignette. It's basically like a little... Uh, this is Ted Bunny. This is what he did. This is how he acted. Go to it. You can't just say note. You could. Short page. It's longer than a note. I thought vignette was the thing around a picture. The vignette. I don't fucking. Oh, now you're pronouncing it vignette. <laughs> it is a vignette. Do you want to stick your fucking pinky out while you're drinking uh, your perhaps beer? Perhaps I will do this, okay? Jesus Christ. It is vignette. Uh, double T means vignette, you is bitch. Is it spelled vignette? The vignette. <laughs> vignette. Vignette. Hey, it's the vignettes. <laughs> Don't be a Vignetti. <laughs> Don't be a Vignetti. 
<laughs> Jesus. So anyway, he, they all get this and compile from historical sources and reference materials. The psychologists were then asked to describe Bundy in terms of the American Psychiatric Association's yeah, personality disorder. We're both right. Is it? Yeah, it says a brief... It's like the two most like opposite fucking things. A brief evocative description, a counter episode, which is what this is. Which is what they're talking about. Number two, a small illustration or portrait photograph, which fades into its background with... Out a definite border. Hey, how the fuck do you use the same word for those two things? Those are, they couldn't be more opposite. That that's ridiculous to me. So you were right, buddy. So were you? You were right. All right. Congrats. So anyway, they went in. Feel smart now. Yeah, I know. Look at us. That's good. I like that. So the uh, the <laughs> th- this this means uh, the DSM for. Um, when using the DSM for their evaluations of his mental disorders. The most commonly diagnosed personality disorder was antisocial, of course, which is endorsed by almost 96% of the sample of the actual psychologists so who were researching. So of the 70, was it 73? Yes. So of the 73 uh, people that were doing this project, 96% of them agreed that he had antisocial personality disorder. Right. Okay. And uh, in fact, nearly 80% of the respondents described Bundy as a prototypic case of antisocial personality disorder so he was the prototype like he if you had a poster boy for yeah, it like they're saying he's the poster boy yeah exactly. exactly right yeah considering the history of brutal rapes and violent murders perpetrated by bunny this diagnosis is not particularly surprising mm-hmm. yeah i can see that yeah mm-hmm. however it is worth noting that nearly 95 percent of the sample also saw bundy as meeting sufficient criteria to be given the diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder yeah it makes sense i can see that yeah absolutely over 50 good looking fella yeah well so i could imagine that he'd be like i'm shit yeah but you dude you ever will bow to me you ever dive into actual narcissism and like what's in i know there's a lot more to it than just but you know what i'm saying like he he took good care of himself oh very he made sure that he made sure that he looked good and like yeah just to be you know and he wanted to be like a, a an upstanding member of the community just you know what i mean like it's oh, just crazy kind of stuff, because, man. like, narcissists out there, if you guys ever want to dive down that hole, just look up, like, uh, narcissism is narcissism and everything that's involved interesting in it. interesting to, like, look into. It's basically people that mind fuck you yeah. on, on a daily basis. Because it's not always, like, people think narcissist is all about, like, oh, I look good, look at me. Yeah, but I'm it's awesome. so much deeper than yeah, that. Yeah, it's man. not just someone being arrogant. It's somebody that knows the how arrogance to. arrogance plus. They know how to mind fuck you. you. Yeah. That's it. They know how to mind fuck you. Manipulation. And they make, they'll make you feel like you're the biggest piece of shit and that everything's your fault. And they're never wrong, and they somehow get you to convince mm-hmm. or convince you to believe that shit. Yep. It's fucking narcissist, man. Classic. Fucking assholes. Anyway, <laughs> but then again, just so you know, you're wrong. I, oh, damn it. Sorry. It's your fault. Sorry. See, I told you. God. <laughs> We're not downplaying that, by the way. If you know someone that's a narcissist or whatever, get the fuck out of that relationship. That's a bad, that's a bad place to be, man. Yeah, get out of that. Get out of that. Anyway, so uh, let's see. Where was I at? Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, here it is. Over 50% of the psychologists also viewed Bundy as being above the diagnostic threshold for the borderline and schizoid diagnosis. This variety of personality disorder diagnosis offered by the members of Division 42 certainly supports the complex nature of Bundy's personality. That's why they used Bundy for this. Well, because he's a fucking anomaly, dude. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what I was talking about earlier and why I, I'm so I, intrigued It might even mention him. it. It might even, because as we go down, they also use the FFM, which is coming up next. Yeah. And they basically, like a lot of the things, I, I, I'm pretty sure it says it. I think it uses that exact word that he's he's basically an anomaly when it comes to serial killing. Yeah, he's a total Because anomaly. he had his shit straight. He kept it all together. He was able to function in society. Even when he escaped. Yep. He went down to Florida. And lived like he was a fucking normal dude, And man. still killed people with no yep. one fucking knew of it. Like the dude, yep. oh my God. Yeah, he's a total whatever. And who knows, there might be more of those out there, but 
He's the one that got caught. As a comparison to the psychologist, um, the as a comparison, the psychologists were also asked to describe Bundy using the FFM. No, not the porn one. System. Of course, the most notable aspect of Bundy's <coughs> FFM profile was the consistently low ratings on all six facets of antagonism, indicating that the clinician saw him as manipulative, deceitful, okay, mistrustful. So that's so antagonism is one of the facets. We we went over the five major the bullet ones points and said that there were eighteen facets, right? Or yeah, eighteen facets that also branched into smaller ones, and that's the one that they led to that right. could lead you to uh, psychopathy. Right. And he was also very arrogant and callous. However, consistent with the reports of Bundy's success in political endeavors, the clinicians also rated him highly in the domain of extroversion, describing him as assertive. Yeah, just like movie, Jesus. That's right, buddy. Active and thrill-seeking, although also Ooh. extremely low in the extroversion facet of warmth. In other words, he wasn't very caring. Dude, I'm fucking Bundy. <sighs> Why would you fuck Bundy? I said I am. I'm like Why him. Why are you fucking I'm Bundy? like him. Oh, you're like him. So far. Oh, just thought you were fucking him. Well, it was good looking, like I said. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bundy was described as being particularly low on the facets of neuroticism. With the there exception you go. Of, See? Yeah, That's me. Yeah. With the exception of angry hostility. I am angry. Yeah, but are you hostile? I can be. Oh, boy. This indicates that he was seen as relatively free from experiencing negative emotions such as anxiety, depression, and self-consciousness, but also as having great difficulty controlling his anger. Dude. This is creepy. So let me let me let me kind of stop this just for a second and put this out there. So he basically didn't have any of the negative side or negative things as far as like he didn't have any guilt. Nope. He didn't have any remorse. Nope. He didn't have uh, anxiety about That's it. That's your conscientiousness. He didn't care. He didn't care about other people as much, and it didn't care what. Dare happened. I say this? And please don't take this the wrong way, people, because I, I hopefully you know what I mean. And if you listen to the show long enough, you should. He's basically the perfect killer. He is. I mean, but truthfully. Essentially, yeah. You know what I mean? From a moral and fucking, you know. Uh, he uh, didn't care what he did. Right. Like, even guys like Dahmer, like, even Dahmer was like, I don't know why I am how I am. And right. he had remorse for what he did. Right. There's a, a most, not, I don't want to say most, but a lot of them really do. They're all like, oh, I'm sorry, and I, I don't know why I did this, or this is why I did this. And There's always some sort of hang up with a lot of these guys, mm -hmm. but he just didn't fucking care. I mean, dude, you've seen the, uh, the video and stuff of him hanging out in jail where he's always smiling and... Whatever you know, he what I mean? give a fuck. He, and he was one of those guys, like, and one of the other, uh, one of the other traits where you just don't give a fuck, and you're you sure that everything's gonna work out fine. That's yeah. the neuros, neuro, um, neuroticism. Yeah, it's so crazy. So perhaps the most noteworthy, noteworthy, noteworthy finding. Uh, the old noteworthy, <laughs> noteworthy finding from the FFM ratings was his generally high ratings on the domain of conscientiousness. In contrast with the impulsive, under-controlled behavior that one would typically expect from an antisocial criminal, Bundy was described as being orderly, achievement-oriented, and deliberate. Perhaps it was his characteristic style of careful planning and deliberate execution that enabled Bundy to avoid capture and arrest for so many years. Again, perfect so that's, killer. So there's the anomaly right there. Perfect killer. Like, he had some things like, like not caring about hurting other people and not giving a shit about how it turned out or whatever. That's like the low end of conscientiousness, but... They're saying that he had tons of facets of the high end of conscientiousness, too, which is really, really weird for a serial killer. And intelligence. I yeah. mean, that's up there, too. Like, it's just absolutely. Have you, uh, do you ever get a chance to watch that TV show, uh, Hannibal, based off? Uh, I haven't watched it, though. No. Okay. It's actually a, a really good show. But if you watch that, 
what we're talking about with Bunny right now and watch him in that mm-hmm. show, that's him. So it's fun. It's, so bringing that up, there was actually an article that I read um, talking about intelligence and uh, whatever. I can't, intelligence is something else um, as far as serial killers go. It was basically like our... When you think about serial killers, are they all like psychopaths and like super intelligent, like whatever? And basically, the article was like, most of them aren't. Is their thing like if they're not look, intelligent? They're not. Some of them are, yeah. but if you look at the majority, like they're all on the mid to lower end of like the um, intelligence intelligence scale, I yeah. guess you could say. It makes sense. Like their IQs and, and things like that, and that they're not all like psycho. They're not not a good amount of them don't exhibit psychopath traits like psychopathy traits so it's kind of weird because like you were just talking about like the intelligence and like and they bring up hannibal as their example like he isn't like hannibal himself a guy like that like ted bundy yeah is an anomaly yeah they they are you don't find and the thing is too obviously you gotta be smart to get away with some of the shit i was gonna say that look at how all these guys get fucking caught because they're fucking stupid they're stupid most criminals are stupid i'm sorry you get away with it because they pick like fuck you don't be a criminal like, if you look at the people that get away with it for a while, how many times were they almost caught because they did dumb shit mm-hmm. and then finally it bit him in the ass? Like Dahmer. Yeah. He fucking let a drunk fucking Filipino boy run out on the street and he somehow convinced the cops that it was his lover and let him back in the house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he made shit a like mistakes. that. But, dude, ah, God, we, we're going to keep. See, listen, if you get serial killers going with us, yeah. it, it's just forever episode. But Dahmer was also like. Dude, that dude was so remorseful when it That's happened. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Which is also weird for him. It, it was so weird. Like he was out of most of them that I've ever like paid attention to. He's like seemed to be like the most like most. I don't, I don't a know. A lot of them. A lot of them are like I don't know why I did what I did. I'm sorry, but he was like you watch interviews with him, man, and he was just like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like you can something's see wrong with like, me. He said that like something. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I don't know I, why I'm the way I yeah. am. Like I don't understand it. Like yeah, it's fucking ah, crazy. But yeah, Bundy, he's the fucking monom- monopoly. <laughs> It's the Monopoly guy. <laughs> and you must be the Monopoly guy. Do not pass go. Do, Do not, not collect $200. <laughs> uh, so the reasons for this evaluation was to determine which system was more useful for clinicians when looking for a diagnosis, working with patients, and being able to relay the information to the average person not familiar with all of the psychology jargon. They also used this as a study for what they may have needed uh, to change from the DSM-4 to the DSM-5. The cool part was that they were able to uh, dig into the mind of a killer and show the use of both the DSM and the FFM models. And that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So what does that say? So look at. <laughs> Please tell me what that's. What is that? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be. So look. You know that. <laughs> Shut up. Just fucking read. All right. So look at no. This. <laughs> Just kidding. So we know that this was more of a nerd out episode, obviously, because I'm just, my mind is full of this shit. And that's all I want to fucking listen to and read and stuff like that. And no, I am. And according to what we went through today, I am not, not a crazy person. If they call I it might that. be. You might be. You might be a uh, psycho, psychologically inept. No, is that right? What, what, what would you be? I have minimal brain dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not. <laughs> so getting into the mind of criminals to determine what no drives consciousness them. and I'm not neurotic. <laughs> right. And I don't care about people. Yeah, we hope you really did find you this know information. Who I do care about? Who? Our listeners. And me too. 
You guys are safe. Yeah, you guys are. Well, if good. I ever lose my shit and go on a rampage, just put a little sticker on your car or something so I know it's you and you're good. That's Write that down. Yeah. Yeah, we need Midnight Train. I'll let everybody know. I'm safe from moody stickers. <laughs> Don't kill me. I listen to the Midnight Train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need that too. Shit. So getting in the mind of criminals um, to determine what drives them is important for future dishonoring and treatment of research. Dis what? It says dishonoring. Future dishonoring? Do, do we want to dishonor all the criminals? That's it? You, sir, take off your badge. I like that you just kind of roll right through it knowing that it's wrong, too. Because I feel like you just want me to be like, wait, what? <laughs> That's exactly right. Making that? sure you're paying attention. So, no, what they're doing Diagnosing. is... Diagnosing. <laughs> it's not safe. I told you, dude, I was up late last night. I was falling asleep this trying to get This is what happens stuff. when he doesn't have his computer. I cleaned my house. I couldn't find my laptop. I was... Wait, well, let's tell the listeners, too. Um, you don't actually type on your phone. You swipe. I swipe. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is the thing. When I do it on my computer... If the word is wrong, it'll tell me like, hey, you might want to check this out because the word is wrong. Mm -hmm. On my phone, it just shows that it's a real word. <laughs> and the phone's like, eh, fuck it, good enough, it's a word. So I don't have that. You know, it'll show me oh. if the grammar's wrong or if it like needs an apostrophe. But Dude, it doesn't tell me if I don't the word know. is wrong. I don't know if I've laughed this hard in an episode in a while. I'm glad I could be of service. But it's kind of fucked up. It's this episode. <laughs> you know? Uh. So the DSM and <laughs> maybe I am. The DSM and FFM are critical tools used to help to, you know, to do this, to actually determine whether or not, you know, someone is, could potentially be, you know, who has the 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 um the makings of, you know, a possible serial right, killer right. or a killer or just a criminal or anything like that. Correct. The DSM is pretty much the exclusive tool used by psychologists to diagnose mental disorders, okay, and come up with treatment plans. So that's pretty big. One-stop shop, baby. Right. Another question that is being explored using the DSM is whether serial killers, repeat violent offenders, serial rapists, and the like can be rehabilitated. No. <sighs> Do we... Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. There are many studies in the world using the DSM-5 and other tools trying to determine if there are visible treatment options to use for this purpose. You're a dick. It's viable. Now you're just doing that shit to be an asshole. <laughs> the big question here is, who would want to take the risk of rehabilitating a serial killer? I don't know. I'm sure there's some asshole. You know what, though? Because that dude's a fucking narcissist. Man. So he's just as crazy as these guys. Yep. I, well, yeah, I can, see I can fucking do it. No, you can't. Yeah. Then putting uh, their name on a piece of paper saying that person is okay to rejoin society and then have that person revert back to the old habit of, you know, killing people, which, by the way, yes, has happened. happened. Yeah. We've talked about yes. it. One of the guys actually stayed at the uh, the Cecil out yep. in California. We discussed that. Yep. He was a big to-do over there that after killing the, people. Uh, was that the Austrian dude? Yeah. That, yeah. The, it's, the it's, journalist or whatever. Yeah. He got all the people that could... Behind him and rallied him to get him out of prison, and then he came here and killed more people. Edmund Kemper did the same thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm telling you, this shit. Yeah. There are plenty of people out there doing research on this topic, which is good. It was hard to find any solid answers as of right now, but hopefully there will be more information soon. I'd like to hear what you guys think. Do you think yeah, that yeah. that diehard, severe, like, criminals can be rehabilitated? I'm not talking about, you know... The guy who was 20 years old and freaking stole a couple of cars. I'm not talking about that. Right. I'm not talking about the dude that was hard up for money one day and then went into a, you know, a 7-Eleven and, you know, robbed the cash register. I'm talking about the guys who are bad dudes and girls, females, males, whoever. People are all out there. Yeah. All shapes and sizes. Are those people, are, is the rehabilitation involved in there? You know, and the thing is with me, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know. 
I don't know. I honestly don't know because I feel like it's there's tough, man. Because you don't ever want to like you don't ever want to tell somebody that they're not because you don't know. People are different. Brains right. are different. People function differently, and you don't ever want to be that guy that says this dude cannot be rehabilitated. Put him away. Fuck this guy. When in all actuality, he might be the best option to try to rehabilitate. You know what I mean? And I was going to say that if let's say hypothetically that only one out of 50 were able to be rehabilitated. Well, if you stop rehabilitation completely, then that one person that could be rehabilitated is lost. Yeah. No, I mean, and that sucks. So, you know, I don't know. So we would also like to take a moment to say a couple things about this research. Most of the research was hampered, but the fact that most of uh, the good papers written on the subject, like Moody was saying earlier, uh, that we discussed, you actually have to pay for, and you have to go through all this shit. There are many awesome papers out there with a lot of good info that we could not access due to the fact, you know, of all that shit. So we wanted a uh, DSM episode as we were both very interested in the minds of killers and criminals and the DSM and the FFM are the major tools in diagnosing the personalities and mental disorders of these killers and criminals. We know this wasn't our usual type of episode, but sometimes we like to get nerdy and this is one of those times. So hopefully you guys, you guys enjoyed getting a little bit uh, nerdy with us. Yeah. I'm about to put something else up there for you. Okay. Yeah, so I hopefully you guys like, I mean, honestly, this is one of those things I hear about it all the time because I'm always listening to, and I'm sure most of our listeners listen to, you know, true crime stuff. So you've heard, and according to the DSM-5, you know, the DSM-5 this, and according to the DSM-5, well, I wanted to know more about it. And yeah. guess what? We found out more yeah, about it's, it it's today. Pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing. Like, I didn't really know anything about it. I don't like the history of it or anything like that. So it was cool for me to uh, to kind of do this research and check it out. So yeah, I actually really um, and the the whole thing of like where it went, um, <clears throat> how it kind of spawned that FFM. Uh, I, well, I was definitely unfamiliar with that, and uh, doing research on the FFM, <laughs> the FFM was, was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just trying to like uh, tell your wife something without no, telling your wife? I uh, I just don't want her to look at my phone and be like, "What the fuck? Why are you looking at FFM?" <laughs> She's like, are you on my computer or yours? <laughs> That's hilarious. God damn it. Anyway, so that was the DSM and the FFM, which I didn't even know we were going to get there. And a little bit of Ted Bundy. Dude, the Ted Bundy thing was awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. So, so full disclosure, I was doing this. I was doing this. And so I got through all this shit. I'm like, you were looking at FFM porn. I really, I'm like, I like John wants like serial killer shit in here. And like, I can't fucking find anything like i was getting down to it like i gotta find something to pull all this together and i found that ted bunny thing i'm like <laughs> i was like hallelujah thank I god like, oh my god that fucking is perfect now you did a good job on this so, one man yeah i'm very excited hopefully you enjoyed it I, I, this, this yeah, was your episode this man. was my episode for sure because i've been wanting to do this for a while because i'm just intrigued by stuff like that so if you guys didn't like it well you know and just think about this like the blame the, DSM, the internet the DSM, the FFM, and things of that nature, like, all those people you hear about, those are, this is what they use to diagnose pretty much everybody you know, as far as serial killers, criminal, like, major criminals, things like that. This is the tool they use to diagnose those people. And it's like, I guess it's weird, but it's also kind of interesting that, like, John, you could go see a psychiatrist. Right. And... This is kind of what he bases his stuff off of is the fucking DSM-5, right? Right. And then you can turn around and say they use the same exact book to diagnose fucking Ed Gein. 
You know what I mean? To diagnose what was wrong with him. Or Ed Vane, whatever. Ed Vane. <laughs> Either way. Ed Vane. You know, that guy. That used from his, the FFM. From the FFM that used his prick to kill people. Whatever. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that did that. Whatever. So anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's very entertaining. But it's now. A little, little deviation from the norm. Yeah. That's always fun every once in a while. We're getting to some fun stuff you know, coming up here. But I just thought this was kind of cool. Yeah. So. But now. Yeah. It is time. What do we got? For my favorite part of the show, it's the movies. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? Today. <laughs> so I, I, I uh, found this one for you. It's oh, this 10, is great. The headline is ten binge-worthy serial killer movies based on real killers. This is ranked according to IMDb, so it's basically an IMDb list. All right. Based on true serial killers. Based on true. Okay, which I've probably seen. I want to see this how many of these I've awesome seen. This is awesome because there's a local connection. This Wait. is like a Cleveland guy that did this movie. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I'm almost positive. Mark Myers? Is that I'm, him? I'm 99% sure this dude is from Cleveland or from this area. Well, number 10 on our list is... It's got a 6.2 rating. I've heard it's good. 2017's My Friend Dahmer. Yeah. Who's that about? Um, well, it's about this guy named Jeffrey Dahmer. Not familiar. Ah, oh, yeah, he's, he's just Jeffrey. Jeffrey. That's the giraffe from Toys R Us, right? That was, but that was with a G. That was Geoffrey. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry, my bad. So the lowest on the list still deserves a watch and tells the strange and interesting story of Jeffrey Dahmer, a young man who committed murders and sex offenses on young men in the 1980s. One of the darkest stories of murder, my friend Dahmer follows Jeffrey in high school right before his murderous spree at 18 years uh, old began. <laughs> Ross Lynch takes the role. If you guys know Ross Lynch, he's been in a bunch of stuff recently. Younger dude, that guy. I mean, that looks like Jeffrey Dahmer to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what he's trying to be. Good and it's directed by Mark Myers. And I have seen this. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it yet. Um, It's it's a slow burn. Yeah. But if you know the story. I know how of... it turns out, though. <laughs> You know the I story. I know the ending. Yeah. yeah if you That's know the why story, I never yeah. watched Titanic. Because yeah. you know how it ends? I fucking know how it ends. Yeah. It's okay. It was a good movie. Slow burn, but whatever. It was good. I've heard it's pretty good. It was good. Number nine, The Iceman. Fuck yeah. Seen this He's one. A fucking lunatic. Kuklinski? Oh my Hell God. yeah. So this crime drama stars Chris Evans, uh, Michael Shannon, and James Franco based on the true story of Richard Kuklinski, The Iceman. Wait, tells- who, played, who played Kuklinski in that? Uh, Michael Shannon. Okay, I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, no, Chris, not Chris Evans. No, <laughs> no, you're not doing it. Because that's, uh, Chris Evans is uh, 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 Captain America, yeah. right? Yeah, no, that would be weird. <laughs> and James Franco just couldn't pull it off, I don't think. I think he could. You think James Franco could? I'm not a big fan of his. I like him. Eh, know, whatever. So based on the true story of Richard Kuklinski, um, it's a little bit better, different of a story. He is a contract killer with a family. If you guys don't know about the Iceman, please look up the Iceman Dude, uh, Chronicles. fucking lunatic. He is... He's a he's a bad dude. Dude, he would leave people in caves and let rats eat him. He's a bad dude. That's insane. Yeah. And this movie is about his life, murders, and his eventual arrest. While it's not a true serial killer flick about a man who is killing for his own enjoyment, killer, dude. it still holds up for being a true story that's intense and full of crime. Plus, it's a uh, it's a different story than most. Have you seen this one? Yes. Okay. It was How good. Was it? it was yeah. good. Yeah. But I'm also a fan of Michael Shannon, and I know the whole story yeah. behind everything. Is it pretty so. accurate? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Fairly? Yeah. Good. I have not seen this one. Uh, Holy this... shit, this one's amazing. Is it really? It's fucked up, dude. I have to see it. Fucked up. No shit. Now, number eight is Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer Plus, from 1986. I love that dude. He's a great actor. Yeah, that's, uh, that was, uh, what's his name? He played the dude in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I'm trying to think of uh, his name is. God, God. I can't think of it either. It was Quills. 
uh, the, the pirate dude with the, yeah. the, the, the mohawk. The mohawk and the whistle. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to drive me nuts. I can't, I can't remember. There, anyway. Yeah. It's that guy. Henry, portrait of a serial killer, tells the true story of Henry, known as the confession killer, a drifter who claimed to have murdered dozens and dozens of people. Henry's story isn't quite like any other, and his terrifying but totally mesmerizing film does an impressive job at telling it. Uh, for all fans of this genre, this is a must-see. I think that dude was in The Walking Dead for a while, too. Yeah, he was in the uh, first season. Yeah. For wasn't maybe, that maybe wasn't more? That, wasn't that what's his name? His brother? Yes. Or something? And he got his arm cut Darryl's off. Daryl's brother? Daryl's brother. Yeah. He got his arm cut off. Yeah. yeah. Damn it, I can't remember. He's the name fucking of it. amazing in this movie, by the way. Hey, if you've never this. seen that movie, fucking see this movie. I, I, I definitely will do that. Number seven is mm, a little familiar. The Boston Strangler. Uh, from our last episode, we talked about The Boston Strangler. We did. Directed by Richard Fleischer and starring Tony Curtis, which we've been getting a bunch of stuff on Facebook. They're like, hey, it was Tony Curtis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Henry Fonda. The Boston Strangler takes place in the 1960s when there were over a dozen women murdered in the Boston area. This movie follows the investigators on the case. This crime mystery is based off of one of the most infamous killers in the United States, and it's the best screen adaptation of the story to date. Nice. I haven't seen that one. I haven't. That's a, I haven't seen that one either. Number six. This is a good one. And we were just talking about this earlier. Monster from 2003. Yeah, 7.3 yeah. on uh, IMDb. It's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. Charlie's, she, did, she did amazing. She's, that movie. she's so good. Charlize Theron certainly deserves her Oscar. She got an Oscar. Oh, she did win an Oscar yeah. for that. That's right. For her performance as Eileen Warnos, a sex worker in Daytona Beach, after being sexually assaulted by a client, she sets off to murder the men that hire her for her services. Monster tells the dynamic and devastating true story of this woman and how she became known as the first female serial killer, a highly profiled case. This movie does every aspect of it justice. By the way, if you guys ever who, want to hear something fucked up. Who was the other? Was it Winona Ryder that was her like little buddy in that movie? Ooh, I don't remember. I think so. Yeah. But if you ever want to listen to something really fucked up, or I, I think there might even be video of it, you look up her. Um, she did a interview. I, I lean more. Oh, I know what you're talking. I know exactly. Right before her about. execution. Yep. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! Tell me she wasn't diagnosable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Holy oh, yeah. shit! Um, number five is Citizen X from 1995. Citizen X takes place during the 1980s and actually follows Soviet authorities as they try and catch a killer oh, who finds his victims at train stations. This you know, flick is based off right? the true story of Andre Chikatilo. That's right, baby. Oh. So funny funny note about Andre Chikatilo. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not funny, obviously, but it's please, funny. Please listen to Time Suck, by the way. Um, Dan Cummins does the greatest Chikatilo, at, like his little character on there. So my, my nerd out thing is I play NHL 2021, 2021. With my buddy in New Orleans and a couple of our friends. Danny just recently started playing too, so that's pretty sweet. But our team, um, we're called, our team is called the Elephant Riders, okay. which is a clutch reference, but all of our names are serial killers. So my buddy is Jack the Ripper, and uh, there is a, uh, I can't, dude, I can't even remember who the other two are. And then Danny picked uh, Lizzie Borden as her name to be in our group. That's and I, I am Andre Chikatilo. That's who I am. Chikatilo. Yeah. By the way. Come oh, on. Shawcross. The one dude is Arthur Shawcross. Are you familiar with Arthur Shawcross? Mm. He's a fucking lunatic. But at any rate, apparently this kid used to, like, somebody he knows used to get babysat by Arthur Shawcross or some shit. Like, it's like this weird connection between this kid and uh, this. Well, he's not a kid anymore, but this dude and Arthur Shawcross, like, he knows... 
he either knows like was babysat by him or like a friend of his was baby like it's fucking crazy that is crazy yeah holy shit yeah i haven't seen this one though citizen x but i'm gonna have to watch it just it's because about I it's about chickatillo it i gotta watch it uh number four is 10 rillington place from 1971 this lesser known movie is definitely a hidden gem and tells the true story of british killer john christie who went on a murder streak of his neighbors. Ugh. I know the name. I've heard Sounds that story familiar. before, but I'm not I'm not super familiar with it. The movie follows two of them who get caught up in the violence and lies with Richard Attenborough and Judy oh. Geeson. Ten Rillington Place is a UK flick that all North Americans will love to be terrified Say, by. I have to check that out. And gives a voice for true events. I might have a binge weekend and just know, watch some all of these. these. Movies just, watch seen, yeah. just watch them all. Just watch them all. Do you got to see Henry? Yeah. The movie's so good. I'll watch it for sure. Number three, Zodiac from 2007. Um, wasn't a biggest fan of this. I didn't like it. That I thought much. it was boring. It was all right. Yeah, it was okay. This crime drama is directed by David Fincher. Jake Gyllenhaal one. Yep. Yeah, it was all right. And has a star-studded cast including Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. and Robert Downey Jr. And so, in other words, uh, Tony Stark and uh, um, 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 David Banner were in it. No, oh, yeah, 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 I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Fucking Avengers chasing down a fucking Zodiac killer. It's pretty Goddamn. awesome. Goddamn Hollywood. In the late 1960s, Zodiac killer makes himself known. Zodiac follows a cartoonist as well at a, at a well-esteemed newspaper who tries to do his own detective work during the murderous sprees. <laughs> Fuck. This story is one of the most well-known and mysterious there is, and uh, Zodiac nails it, it says. So, yeah. it's uh, okay. It was all right. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was boring. Number two, Psycho from 1960. Ooh. Yeah, buddy. So a lot of people actually What's don't know that this is... What's the rating on Psycho? Yeah, huh? What's the rating on Psycho? 8.5. Wow. Yeah. All right. A lot of people don't know that his character, uh, Norman Bates, and that was actually based, based off, off of, of, like, Ed Gein. And, Ed Vane, right. Yeah, Ed Vane. <laughs> Psycho might just be the one of the most iconic movies out there today in general, <laughs> not just in the serial killer genre. Alfred yeah. Hitchcock created a timeless character with Norman Bates, but it turns out he actually got some inspiration from real-life killer Ed Gein, not Vane. Oh, right, right. Like Norman Bates... Gain, yes, totally different movie. Had an interesting relationship with his mother. He was also sent to a mental institution following his arrest. This movie is flawless and as classic as they come, all while being a fictionalized tale of a true event. Yes, fucking cinema gold. Yeah, and number number one, one? what's number one? Number one, and I, I might have to agree with this one. It's the Silence of the Lambs. Good movie. (laughs) Eight point six, nineteen ninety one. Yeah. And it's such a good movie. The Silence of the Lambs might be the most iconic serial killer flick to ever exist. And it also won a whopping five Oscars. Who was that one based off of, Jonathan? Well, actually, it features two serial killers, Buffalo Bill and Dr. Hannibal Lecker. Lecker? Lecker? Lecker. Ah, Good old Hannibal Lecker. (laughs) Who are both based on real-life murderers. While this movie isn't actually a retelling of true events, it's still intriguing that Buffalo Bill was loosely based on, uh uh-huh, Ed Gein and Gary Michael Heidnick. While Lecter was inspired by a surgeon, Alfredo Bali Trevino. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not familiar with I that guy. That, uh, yeah. For a terrifying and riveting ride, this movie what deserves a binge. Alfredo, 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 Alfredo Bali, B-A-L-L-I. Okay. Trevino. Alfredo Bali. Oh, my God. Fucking be, swipe. Be, you got to stop. I've got also Vizlicky. <laughs> nope. That's not it. Alfredo Bali Oh my god, fuck this guy. <laughs> Shut up. Bally. Oh, there he is. Trevino. 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 Oh, the killer doctor who inspired Hannibal Lecter. There it is. Who the fuck is this asshole? Here in Wikipedia? Not that it matters, man. Oh, there he is. Oh, Hannibal Lecter. What? <laughs> There's a Wikipedia for Hannibal Lecter, but not the guy that inspired him? Boy, that must be. Someone went down a really. Stupid rabbit hole on that one, huh? Apparently. Yeah, this dude, apparently he was a murderous 
Murderous Mexican doctor. He, uh, former physician sentenced to death. And my phone's not loading because your basement sucks. All right. Well, passengers, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed your ride with us on the DSM and the FFM, it turns out. Yeah. Join us next week where we are going to be talking about... Okay, so this is what I was going to say. <laughs> so I was kind of waiting for this. So John earlier, he asked me if what, what we were doing next week, and we have something lined up. What did you have lined up for next week, John? Ah, uh, shit. Do you remember? I do, but I don't. Hold okay. on. Oh, yeah, haunted rock venues. Okay, so <clears throat> I had I had an idea for a uh, an episode. Okay. That would be a surprise. It'd be a surprise episode for John. So mm. this is what I'm thinking. I have an idea for an episode that I want to do. Okay. And I want it, to... It's something that you would enjoy. Okay. And uh, I want to basically just not tell you anything about it. Okay. You know nothing about the episode. You don't see anything about the episode. Okay. Until I show up here to record the episode. And oh, then I, I'm going to give it to you. And then you can go through it from there. All right. If you don't know what it is, I'm All just right. surprising you because I, I think you'd enjoy it. Let's do it. You want to do it? So next week is going to be a fucking surprise, surprise. for you and me. Yes, it's a surprise for everybody. Yeah. You guys, no one's going to know except for this guy. Except for I all might tell the Danny, grammatical errors. As long as she doesn't blab it. <laughs> I will. Do you know what I'm going to do just to be a nice <laughs> you're gonna, guy? You're going to go over it. I'm going to double. You know what? I'm, I'm going to not triple. swipe. <laughs> I'm going to triple. If I find my laptop, it's fucking on, dude. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll yeah, be a surprise. I, I think that'll be fun. Good. So next I week, I think you'll enjoy it. It's going to be a surprise for everybody, including me, which I'm excited yeah. about. I yeah, like yeah. that because uh, my wife and like Bill and uh, Katie, who've done a couple of the bonus ones, yeah, yeah. they all want to do one like that and surprise me with it. Oh, nice. Nice. But they, but they want to do the ones to do the actual information. Oh, that'd be sweet. But dude. I want to make sure they're really fucking drunk when they do it. That would be hilarious. Yes. Yeah, so that could be a bonus episode, folks. So make sure you're signing up over there. You yeah. know where you can do that at? You know what else we got to do? What? We got to get Jeff back in here. Yes. To do our highest fuck movie review, mm -hmm. which we never got around to doing because yeah. of all the COVID shit and everything yeah. that happened. We still have to do that movie, the zombie. The zombie one. apocalypse movie. Yeah, we still have to do that. The Scout's Guide to the. That's what it was, right? Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse? I believe so. Yeah. We'll get real high and watch that. Yeah. That, we got to get Jeff back in here for that. That has to happen. The Three Amigos. Yes. We for, are the for Three a good bonus. Amigos. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we totally just did the three amigos little salute. If you guys don't know what it is, I'm gonna post it up online. Oh, I'm gonna do it. You gonna do it? I'm gonna do it and post it up online. You should TikTok that shit. Oh, I'm gonna TikTok. Yes. So if you guys want to know, <laughs> or go, if you want to see me doing the three amigos salute on TikTok, you have to. You got to sign up to our, our TikTok. It, is that gonna be our first TikTok? It'll be like the second, I think, or third. Okay. I did one where I just had a beer. <laughs> Hi, my name's John. Bye. Thank uh, you. I like bear. Uh, so listen, you guys can sign up to see this bonus or listen to this bonus stuff over at our official website, The Midnight Train Podcast. At our website, you can buy some super sweet merchandise. Super sweet. <laughs> you really sent me that in a text? Absolutely. <laughs> I have to remember it. That's amazing. That's how I'm going to remember it. That's fucking phenomenal. So you, well, you guys can get all kinds of cool shirts over there, like our shit-eating robot shirt or the, yes, the, the Jersey raccoon. raccoon shirt, which, and now I'm coming up with a even another shirt because we've got the Don't Be a DeSalvo. Don't Be a DeSalvo. Don't be a salvo is coming. And uh, what was the other one I just came up with? We got today. Uh, you just sent it. I to just sent it to you. Blame the blame the internet. Blame the internet. That's right. And <laughs> listeners keep asking how they can help the, keep the hashtag safe for Moody sticker. <laughs> and that's yeah, safe for Moody stickers. <laughs> 
Uh, people keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer by heading over to the Midnight Train Podcast, like I said, and clicking on the Patreon button. It's on the very top of the page. It is. Correct. Or you are right. go to patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. By the way, you have to go to HTTPS, whatever it is. Yeah, you have to type in the whole thing. The slash whole thing. the Midnight Train Podcast because we're adult content. Right, because we're adult fucking it's because content. we talk about FFMs. Right. For as little as $5 a month. <laughs> Okay, for five bucks a month, that's like nothing. You can get all kinds of shit, like uh, you know, you know, all, all Dude, the bonus you know episodes that, that's and one one less goddamn whopper from Burger King, mm -hmm. and you could listen to all the good shit we have and live at least another six months. That's like half a coffee from Starbucks. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I listen. I agree. I don't know who you're trying to convince because I'm, I'm. I'm just. I'm letting the people know, man. Okay, good. I appreciate. Like it. I know you guys are out there. You're spending five bucks a month on just bullshit. <laughs> You could probably find that in your couch cushions. Good. I, I think I have five dollars in change in my car right now. That's what I'm saying. I'm not giving it to us, but whatever. <laughs> so if you're a diehard Midnight Train <laughs> fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker and get all these awesome bonus episodes, sign up for Patreon. All right, it's it's super easy, and uh, I'll have uh, links in the show notes for you. Yep. Or you can go to our website, which is the Midnight Train Podcast dot com. Yep. And if you just want to give a one time donation because you got commitment issues, you're like, you know, I've been burned before. Yeah. I've been I hurt. Mean, I've been hurt from other podcasts. I understand. We're not going to hurt you, by the way. We won't. We're not going to do that. We won't. I might. Once you snap, but that's what the stickers are for. According to the FFM. You're right. But that's I'm, what the stickers I'm are for. I'm borderline. Right. But, but if, if you, you get your sticker. That's what I'm saying. I'll tell you what. Stickers what, are going to be available soon. You know what we're going to do? What? We should give, definitely have to give those stickers out to the Patreon members. Oh, yeah. Patreon. Get those they for free are, for sure. You know what? If I see that sticker on a Patreon member car... If you tell me that you're a Patreon member, I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to kill you, and here's five dollars. Exactly. Dude, you fucking made out like a bandit. Like a bandit. Yep. But you can also go over to PayPal and email us, at, you know, 50 cents, 25 cents, whatever whatever you're comfortable with, one time, and send it over to the Midnight Train Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. Yes. It takes only a couple of minutes, and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We honestly can't thank you guys enough for listening. Like, it, it's so awesome. And when I see the it's interaction true, and I'm man. seeing, like, we're in all these different countries now, like... Yeah, man, it's great. Okay, I've never been out of the continental United States other than I went to the Bahamas. That's it. Look at me. I went to the Bahamas. Yeah, but I've never... Know, well, I've also been to Hawaii. The fuck ever, man. Other than that, I've never been to... I've never been to Canada. I've been to Canada. That's it. Yeah. No, I haven't been to My Mexico. Wife Danny's family's from Canada, so... But yet, think about this. You'll hang out with We've never been to these countries, but yet our voices have. Yeah. Did you smoke weed or something? Like, that's like a fucking pothead thing. No, but these Bro, are like, you know what's crazy? It's like these are like eight percent beers. We don't go to these countries, but like our voices travel everywhere. It's bro. Tommy, Tommy Chong. Well, listen, man. Like, did you know? That, like, we're here, but our voices, but our man. voices are over there, man. Like, wow. <laughs> That's some stoner shit, dude. It is. It is. That's when Tommy Chong shows up. So anyway, we honestly can't thank you guys enough. And thank you so much for listening. Please let people know about it. And listen, we got to give our shout out to our Patreon producers. And we love you guys so yeah, much for this. Buddy. And listen, where's my drum roll? <laughs> A big fucking... <laughs> oh, shit. A 
huge shout out to Heather Gilmore, Lara, <laughs> Laura Randall. Oh my God, I'm fucking dying. Tommy Fenderboss, Chad Flynn, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Please make sure you check out the Fun Box Podcast. Rob Webb is an awesome dude. Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartlemy, Jessica and Christina have their own show called The Sisters Skelton. <laughs> Because you know, I just want to be like the sister Skelton. Hey, <laughs> well, make sure you check those girls out. They're absolutely amazing. Uh, Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw. <laughs> Craig Spurlock, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Bravenick, and Bill Birch. Please <laughs> get, get better. better. Buddy. Get better, buddy. We miss you, man. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll be better. And if you, like I said, if you want your name mentioned on the show, I feel like sign up as a Patreon producer. It's five bucks. I feel like if Bill just ate a shitload of Taco Bell, that'd get his intestines right. He says his plumbing's doing up better. <laughs> so they fixed it. They made it better. Well, he no, not better. Better than uh, it was. I was gonna say they, they gave they made him like the bionic shitter or something. <laughs> like he, like he fucking eats no, 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 the, no, 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 like he just eats his dinner on the toilet. Like it just <laughs> just slides right through. <laughs> <laughs> they call me slip and slide guts. Can you imagine that? Jesus, just goes right through, man. Yeah, just. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Love you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I don't know why it's so goofy, but whatever. It's been a long fucking day, long week. Yeah. So in the meantime, stay safe out there, passengers. In the meantime, I love that song. Yeah. And in Space the meantime, hog, right? oh yeah, Fuck. dude, I love that song. One of my favorite bass lines. Yeah, dude, it's great. Anyway, such a good jam. We got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> dude, this turned out a lot longer than I thought. So if you guys are still with us, thank you. Yeah, of course. It's a longer episode, but it's fun. It's good. In the meantime, you just wasted two hours and eighteen minutes of your day. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Stay safe. On wasted. That's right. And of course, as they always say out there, out there in beautiful. What do they say, what do they say John? They say, choo choo, motherfuckers. And also, I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. Call despair, ask yourself.